What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 32nd draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I'm Matt Rohrbeck, and I'm surprised I remember how to do this, because, Eric, it's been like a month since we recorded. How are you? I'm I'm good. There's been a couple things that have happened since we last Yeah, talked. sorry. This is my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchant. Yeah, how dare you, Matt? Um, I, I told you I forgot how to do this. Uh, yeah, I got engaged. <laughs> well, I was going to say, more importantly, Guy Fieri got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right. That is way more important. Fuck your guys engagement let's all talk about flavortown getting his star oh god bless him i love guy fieri uh but but yeah you got engaged i did i did man yeah it's uh that's why thank you guys for being so patient um eric and i have been uh we took a little bit of a break to let nevis and i kind of uh bask in our um uh newly uh, uh promised uh, relationship i don't know what the fuck anything anything works can you put like, that to uh, writing i'm not an adult at all so this all feels very weird to I'm, me i'm looking um, at your cinnamon toast crunch and i'm like yeah, you're an adult yeah i mean i'm an engaged man with a box of toy story <laughs> 4 cinnamon toast crunch on my fridge beside a blender i never use now let's clarify you're um, not engaged to the cinnamon toast crunch. no i am engaged to my wonderful fiance nevis and um God, i'm surprised she puts up with you she uh i guess i can tell this story yeah why not um so yeah she was gone uh she went to can um she works at the toronto film festival for those of you that don't know um, she went to had a wonderful uh god almost two weeks in in can watching a ton of movies and stuff like that and while she was away i i i knew i've wanted to do this for a while um uh, i i met her um, six years ago now, I remember talking to you the first night that, um, I met her. I was on your couch, probably shirtless. Oh yeah. <laughs> and sweaty or something. You were like an Adonis. Um, but I, uh, anyways, it's, uh, I, I just really, I knew this was the time. I just, I, I missed her a ton when she was away and I don't really get two weeks to myself very often. So I was like, you know what, this is, I'm going to use this time to plan, uh, a proposal and get her uh, a ring. So um, d- while she was gone, I-, I had some ideas of what I wanted and um, I-, I ended up buying the ring. And then I had this whole thing planned that I was going to propose to her on this like weekend away that I was taking her for her like birthday kind of thing. But then uh, spur of the moment, uh, she was coming home from the airport on a Friday afternoon from Cannes and I had this ring and and I was like man like I I was supposed to do it the next weekend but I was like I can't wait and I'm like I can't wait to do it I just I'm gonna do it right now so like I I I went and bought flowers I ran home I um I I got this cinema light box thing ready and I I wrote will you marry me in it and I got the ring and I got dressed up in in a suit jacket and a nice shirt so I didn't look like a hobo like I usually do (laughs) Um, and I set up, uh, a camera, I set up my iPhone, um, and to kind of aim at the door to try to get her reaction. And it was just very spur of the moment. And, and, um, and, and it ended up, it went really well. She said, yes, uh, she was very surprised. I caught her reaction on, uh, on, on video, which was amazing. Um, the rest of it, our heads are cut off, so you probably can't. Uh, I didn't set up the shot quite, quite well, but, um, I think getting her initial reaction was awesome. And then you can kind of hear us and, and, um, and yeah, man, now I'm engaged, which is crazy. So, uh, I'm super happy. She's the best. She, I'm incredibly lucky. I don't know how I got so lucky. So, um, it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like, I mean, uh, you're, you're 30, I'm, you're 30, right? Um, yeah yeah we're both 31 30. this year man yeah you're turning 31 i just turned 30 and like part of me doesn't i mean we still we talk about movies and make poop jokes and and um 
and I eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch or I uh, I watch I play video games still or I read comics and like I still very, feel very young. Like, well, it's only your, your body that's slowly decaying. Right. I mean, it's just one of those interesting things. I feel like each big life moment you have where wherever it's like maybe you move out for the first time and you live on your own, right? And you're like, wow, I'm an adult now. Or when you turn 18 and you can buy porn and lottery tickets or whatever, right? <laughs> when you used to buy porn. Right. <laughs> um, and like that you're like oh shit i'm an adult now and then um then you can buy alcohol and go to bars and you're like oh shit i'm an adult now or even when you, you turn 16 and you can get your driver's license right yeah. and there's that kind of independence and freedom of of taking that next step to becoming how you see your parents or how you see right. somebody in your life um that is an adult and responsible and but quote, then it, you always think that you're there and then i feel like i mean you you're still the same person you were when you're I don't know, 10, 12, 13, 16, yeah. 18. Like, it, it's interesting. Like, uh, I mean, we're engaged. We're starting to plan a, a, a wedding. I live on my own. We have a wonderful condo. I have a great job. Um, I have this great podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's it's really cool. It's crazy. Like, I can't believe we're starting to plan and we're starting to tell people to... Um, save the uh, date. Save, the, save a certain time period and... And things like that, and it's it's wonderful. I mean, again, I, I I don't know how I've had such a lucky hashtag blessed life. Um, it's uh, I can't believe it. So it's really cool. So we took a yeah, we took a few weeks to kind of just um, relax, you know, like and uh, in, enjoy the, this moment. And I mean, we we haven't really started planning yet, but uh, for those of you that know Nevis, you know that she does not want to wait. So. Um, we've started kind of initial, like beginning planning, even though I'm the one that's kind of like, ah, eh, we got lots of time. Don't worry about it. But, um, it's going to be cool, man. It's really, really cool. Now a question. I know you're, you're in the early stages of preparing and, and you probably haven't put together a guest list yet, mm-hmm. but are you going to invite Earl Morris and Donald Rumsfeld? I hope so. And maybe Xavier Dolan too. Um, uh, again, I can tell this story too. Um, uh, what Eric's mentioning here is I met Nevis at a uh, TIFF press screening. Um, she snuck into it. She wasn't supposed to be there uh, with our friend uh, Adriana, who I had met at a film pub night the the week before, actually, um, here in Toronto when I used to go out to things with people I didn't know, which does not sound like me anymore, but I remember being at your... Remember when we made an effort? Yeah, when I was at your place, I was crashing at yours and Kyle's, Kyle, Eric's brother's place for With Tiff. your shirt off all the time. Um, it was you weird. guys weren't even there. I was I there by myself. And <laughs> it I was feel one like... morning when we came back early, like at 5 a.m., Kyle and I. <laughs> it was so hot and, in and there we sometimes. In, and Matt's lying on the couch <laughs> just with his my, shirt off. Just in my underwear or whatever. Uh, I had nothing to hide, whatever. You guys are like my brothers. So, um... I remember going to this uh, fucking pub night um, randomly because I was sitting at your house. It was raining, much like it is right now. And uh, I was so bored because I think Kyle might have, like, not had internet yet or something. Or, like, maybe the power went out because of the rain. Right. And I was like, um, oh, why is Nick calling me? I'll have to call him later. Probably asking me about the Raptors game tonight, what I'm doing. Um, so I went to the pub night, met Adriana and Simone, uh, who I'm good friends with now still. And, um, and then Nevis went and snuck into this press screening for, uh, with Adriana the next week at, uh, for Xavier Dolan's Tom at the farm. Um, I got assigned to do that film through tribute, uh, magazine who I was working for that TIFF. 
Um, and I remember, I mean, Eric, you've been to many of our uh, press screenings. And um, when Adriana came in with this girl we haven't seen before, I was like, who is that? And um, I remember uh, just, I mean, from the moment I saw her, I was like, I need to know more about this girl. And I want to talk to her, not in a creepy way, in a, <laughs> in a she looked awesome uh, kind of way. So I, uh, through Adriana, started talking to Nevis and then... Um, the screening ended up getting canceled for Tom at the farm. Uh, and I wasn't assigned anything else at that moment because everyone else was in different things. But then I remember asking Adriana and Nevis because I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're going to see. And then they were like, we're going to go see uh, this Donald Rumsfeld uh, documentary, The Unknown Known, uh, directed by Errol Morris, right? And yep. then uh, uh, at the time, I'm like, I don't even know who the fuck Donald Rumsfeld is, <laughs> let alone do I want to watch a movie about him. And I like, you know me, I'm like, uh, I don't hate documentaries. I just need to be in like a specific mood for them. And I like, I don't really go out of my way to watch them like in theaters or anything. Right. Like whenever I watch one, I usually like it if I'm somewhat interested in the subject matter. But um, I went to see the unknown known just because I wanted to talk to Nevis more after the screening. And um I hated every second of it just because I did not care at all. I remember leaving halfway through to just sit on my phone in the lobby for like 45 minutes before I came back. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, I talked with Nevis after the movie. And then uh, we went to a party at our, uh, a colleague of ours, Callum Marsh's house. And I remember talking to her more there. And then I remember just talking to you about it. And um, was at a time where I'm like, I mean, I've always been like a, timid or shy person sometimes so it, i was like trying to put myself out there a little bit and you sure did i remember you were like um, burning the candle at both ends you were working like all the time yeah uh, during the day for tribute and then in the evening you would go out to parties or meet with nevis and adriana yeah i mean i was staying out till like 4 a.m and then having to get up and go like have a call at like 8 a.m. at the Intercontinental Hotel for tribute and be like on camera at like 9 a.m. <laughs> interviewing people. And uh, yeah, those were a different time. Now, uh, I mean, I still like to go out sometimes, but um, uh, that doesn't happen much anymore, right? Like the, for those of you that uh, don't know, the Toronto Raptors are in the um, NBA finals right now, and uh, we're recording this. By the time you listen to this, they might be NBA champions. I have no idea. Um but I'm, like, avoiding everything in the city during this time just because I'm, like, oh, my God. Like, it's just a nightmare everywhere trying to, like, get anywhere or uh, do anything or you're going to be out till, like, tonight if you're out during this game and they win. Good luck getting anywhere. <laughs> like, right. Unless you're walking and it's, like, shitty and raining out right now, too. So, anyways, that's the story of how Nevis and I met. Now we're in love. It's six years later and we're getting married, which is crazy. So, I still vividly remember that night talking to you on the couch shirtless um sweaty that day that i met nevis um and uh being like i think i'm gonna ask this girl out or try to get her number or something and i just remember having that conversation with you so it's crazy crazy man, man. how time flies doesn't it six years yeah i've and known then, you for seven yeah um i seven only seven eight seven i thought it was when drive drive yeah which so 2011 is, yeah so eight years eight. Eight God. years this September, probably. Because I went to Comic-Con in 2011, uh, right before I met you, because I saw Drive at Comic-Con that year. Yeah. Um, I saw Captain America and Drive at Comic-Con Comic that year. 
And then I remember you were lined up to go see it at TIFF, right? Or you just uh, got out of it or? It was, I think it was a different screening. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you were sitting there and you were like, I saw Drive already. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Humble brag, I guess. Or not even humble. <laughs> just bragging. Uh, but yeah, man. So yeah, we've been off. Um, thank you for being patient too, Eric. And like, uh, um, I don't like going multiple weeks without doing this because I really do enjoy this. But it was nice to kind of just... Again, yeah. Uh, it's okay, I sat in my underwear, ate peanut butter, and watched uh, Jeopardy on Netflix. That sounds disgusting, uh, <laughs> but um, or fantastic. However, way you depends want to on do what it. perspective yeah. you're looking at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm. Uh, did no, you I watched the Tournament of Champions. I sure it's did. Yeah, it's ne- good. Nevis and I watched it too. Um, and I started watching some of the teacher stuff as well. Um, and then also, um, uh, my brother Kyle had a, a music video that was featured on. Um, Indie 88, uh, 40 years. Yeah, which it's I was great. Really excited you guys should check about. it out. And uh, yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, 40 years by uh, Corey J. Ross. It's uh, it's a really good music video slash short film. Yes, it's it's fantastic. I remember your brother. I went. I randomly bumped into your brother on the subway. God, f- months ago now. I feel like, or was it last year even? Um, and I randomly went over to his place and we had beers on his beers or coffee or something just sitting on his patio and he showed me a rough cut of that video a while ago so i'm glad that it's uh finally out there it's really really cool and he um added some cool home footage in there and like it, it it's really really awesome you guys should 100 percent shot it uh check it out he shot it on 16 mil as well yep. right and it's it's super super dope um kyle marching go check it out public space Productions, yeah, public right? places, yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Eric, what else have you been up to? You did, you didn't get engaged in the month off, no, no, <laughs> no. I was just engaged by uh, Flavor Town, getting that star <laughs> on the Hollywood Walk of uh, Fame, and also, I mean, just you know, regular kind of stuff, working at Rogers, uh, kind of listening and, and paying attention to what um, was doing well at the Cannes Film Festival. Nevis was kind enough to, uh, share some insights of what she really liked. Yeah, uh, she loved Parasite. Yes, and I love Bong Joon-ho, so, uh, you know, I'm, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that I'm a part of the Bong Hive, so it's... Bong cool. Rippers? Yeah, so it's become part of, it's become probably my number one movie of the year in terms of anticipation. Cool, nice. Yeah. I'm sure it'll, uh, I mean, we'll see it probably in the festival circus. Yeah, well, it, it already... Circuit, o- not circus. It already opened also in circus. South Korea. Yeah. And it is killing it in the box it? office. So it's beating movies like Aladdin. Wow. And whatever other new... Dark Phoenix, like whatever new releases <laughs> I mean, are everything's out there. beating Dark Phoenix. Yeah, but like this, like this is surprising for, uh, you know, like a, a local-made uh, film to do that well against international titles. Yeah. So it's already showing that, like, it's it's got a strong... Uh, grasp and if it does continue to move on it, it won the palm door um, or the bong door as it's been now uh, called um, it will probably be the first uh, Korean film to be nominated for international uh, best foreign film yeah. best foreign film but they changed the name of it recently oh, did they? to best uh, international movie I think or right because not film. yeah okay fair yeah, yeah. cool yeah, yeah I'm, I'm super excited for it I mean everyone I Nevis keeps going like oh, i want to talk to you about it so bad but i don't want to like spoil anything like it's best to just go in not knowing much about it and uh so super excited for that um, and i would highly recommend if if people have not seen uh 
Memories of Murder, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of his kind of first big critically acclaimed films. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It's is not, it? Okay, it's cool. It's not available wanna... on Blu-ray, unfortunately. Um, but is it in HD on there? Yes, yeah, yeah. and it is fantastic it's it's one of those movies that i mean i love the host i like mother i i think i've liked all of his films to date yeah Um, i'm honestly i haven't watched all of them so i do want to go back and like yeah see all of his stuff before but memories of of a murder is that it's a weird procedural in that tonally and i've talked about this before where south korean cinema just walks this wire of being Funny one moment, tragic another, and horrifying, horrifying, <laughs> action packed, and it never feels Feel, off that yeah. wire. Like it, it's incredible. It what doesn't a feel lot tonally of, awkward. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, from the Park Chan Wooks to the Kim Ji Woons, like all these guys are some of the best directors working right now and it's just really exciting to see i mean even burning last year was in in my mind and i know you've warmed up to it considerably since um you know you're never sure where the movie is going and that's thrilling to me like that's what filmmaking is all about 100 percent. yeah totally agree um but if you guys didn't know uh this is the untitled movie podcast each and every week eric and i well mostly each and every week eric and i get together and talk about our lives and uh, cinnamon toast crunch and uh, whatever we've been eating or drinking or watching Jeopardy, <laughs> uh, Jeopardy James uh, Hot Hoffsauer, whatever the hell his name is. He finally spoilers. He's he's gone, but he won two point whatever million dollars. Crazy bastard. Uh, we talk about uh, what's going on in the news. We talk about some trailers. We talk about some what's uh, if we're staying at home, what we're watching or what you guys should watch. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening. I hope you're excited we're back or you're just mildly okay that we're back. <laughs> right. And if um, you've already made – we're already at 17 minutes. Right. So if you made so it this, this far, far. – Thank you. <laughs> you love my sto- my stories of how I fell in love. Um, if you guys like this, we also do another podcast called The Untitled Movie Reviews where Eric and I get together uh, slightly more professionally, uh, talk about a new release film, whether it's coming out on a streaming service or upcoming in theaters or now playing um, – in theaters and we give it a official score and we try to actually critique the movie. That's where the slight professionalism comes into play. (laughs) We kind of are professional on that show. Not really. There was one episode where Eric just had the hiccups throughout the whole thing and we didn't Well, just at the beginning with long shots. Fair, fair. But I mean, you know, professionals probably would have waited, but we're like, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Gotta Um, capture the magic. Uh, we haven't done a review in a little while because we've been off for the last three, four weeks or so, but we do have reviews coming up. Uh, right now, you should be able to listen to our uh, review and discussion about uh, Dark Phoenix, uh, which Eric and I uh, uh, talked about at length of <laughs> um, uh, what we did or <clears throat> did not like about the movie. And um, uh, we also talk about kind of uh, the end of the X-Men franchise and kind of how that's probably a good thing. <laughs> right. Or probably should Until have happened. Until it's rebooted into the MCU. Right. But I have all the faith that they'll that will be fine, but that's not going to be for five plus years. Um, and it, it, they need to take a little break from, yeah. from this stuff, I think. Um, it probably should have died a little while ago. It uh, should have ended at Days of Future Past, but we'll Logan. talk more about yeah. that once we get into yeah, the review. Yeah, so go check out our review. And uh, we ended up doing a spoiler-filled version of it just because I felt like it was probably necessary, being the, much like we did with Endgame, except we're not splitting it up. It's just one podcast over there. But we'll warn um, people that we there will, is spoilers. In case you haven't seen it and you care. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean... 
Do you really? Spoilers. It's not good. Uh, we'll also have reviews up uh, very, very soon uh, for uh, Men in Black, uh, Men in Black International. International as well as um, <laughs> Toy Story 4. I'm blanking <laughs> on what the hell we're doing already. Uh, so definitely keep your eye out for those. Those um, Toy Story will probably be next week, I think, the embargo. I didn't look, actually. I didn't either. Um, but I'll figure it out. I'll look soon. And then Men in Black is this weekend. And we might... I have a backlog of stuff I still need to see because I haven't really um, gone to the movies all that much. Um, but I do want to try to check out The Dead Don't Die. And I think there's something else this weekend, too, that I wanted to Did see. Did you see Brightburn yet? No, I haven't. I want to. I know people have been mixed on it. But yeah, like, the I'm, more I think about it, the more I've just kind of forgotten about it completely. Like yeah. the concept, the high concept, the idea is interesting, but it kind of fades away from, from your memory as soon as you watch it. I've heard that. So, like, it's one that I could probably just wait and rent in 4K. Yeah. Oh, another story I have. I fixed my TV. Yes. <laughs> it cost me 300 bucks, but I mean. He did it, guys. Um, yeah, that was a it, – it was an interesting process. Like, it took a while for the guy to finally – like, I had to organize it with LG, and they paid for the panel, which saved me almost $1,000, but I had to pay for the labor, um, which was – it got it took him less than an hour, and it was three hundred dollars for his labor. Like you get paid three hundred dollars an hour. What the fuck is this? Um, so gotta milk it for all it's worth, man. I, I don't know, whatever. But um, three hundred bucks isn't that bad. But, but now you don't have that burn in. Uh, yeah, I have no burn in. I'm gonna be very careful with what I watch on my TV. No more podcasts like watching on the television. Well, you can to, still watch them, but don't watch them for, like, hours on well, end. Right? a lot of the podcasts I listen to are, like, two hours long, right? right? So, like, I'm just scared of it now, so I don't do it. I go in my bedroom and watch it because who cares if I bust that old shitty L- – I mean, it's a good TV or in my bedroom. you could just listen but... to the podcast. I know, but I like – I feel like I pay attention more when I'm watching it because I – this is just personal for me. Like, right. I – I get distracted very easily, whether it's like on Twitter or reading an article, and then I'm like, fuck, I haven't been listening for the last minute, and I have to rewind it because I don't know what anyone's saying. But um, not that a lot of the podcasts you really need to know every word that someone is saying, but um, I feel like when I watch them, that's where my focus is because I'm actually watching people. So I like doing that, but I'm glad I got my TV fixed So because um, when I first started to notice it is when I watched Aladdin animated aladdin uh, a month or so ago well you're also saying barry as well with the titles yeah, right that was afterwards once i already noticed it but i don't know what the fuck happened but the be careful if you have an oled tv you spend a lot of money on a 4k oled don't they're very finicky with burning and like i don't know what the hell it was but i think it was wolf blitzer who blitzed your screen no because it wasn't a cnn logo or anything like that but um but it was like a box it was a weird rectangle which i have no fucking idea who left the menu or when i left a menu on the screen because it definitely looks like maybe when i was playing playstation or something like because there's no like screen saver for like a lot of the devices i have after a couple minutes, we'll go into a screensaver mode, right? Because they know this kind of shit for Apple TV and different things like that. Like, they know these TVs are susceptible to burn in. But when you're playing a video game, there's weirdly, like, if you don't shut it off, your TV might stay on for, like, if you have those settings changed, like, for a while before it actually shuts off. So, I, I don't know. But I'm glad it's fixed because I watched um, 
I guess we can go into what you've been watching. Um, yeah, I mean, we we already mentioned, uh, you know, we have a review coming up shortly for Toy Story 4. You uh, watched all three. The trilogy, I watched the uh, third one in preparation for part four, um, also on 4K. So we could probably start right there. Uh, if you yeah, let's to. start with that. I watched, yeah, I picked up all three Toy Story movies in 4K. Cause with I knew uh, I, um, the French Poulet or whatever the fuck that they call them yeah that's really awful the french titles um but whatever uh i made a point being like i don't really collect this shit anymore i'm only buying it because disney doesn't put their stuff at least on apple in 4k i think they do put their stuff on 4k and some other streaming services i just don't use those but um just waiting for disney plus yeah once disney plus comes out i feel like that's when i'm going to officially tap out on the digital i mean the physical media thing like i just the disney 4k stuff is the only stuff that i'm buying right now in 4k or um disney will uh they're very nice and send us review copies like we'll be talking about captain marvel in a little bit but captain marvel (laughs) or captain marvel if you're french um but yes toy story i picked up all three uh watched them on my newly fixed uh panel on my tv they looked uh fantastic um uh, incredible attention to detail and, and, and those humans. With, Whoa. Well, yeah. In the first movie, um, all three movies are wonderful and hold up very, very well. Um, I, I was obsessed with these as a kid. Um, as when I was older, 10 years ago, when toy story three came out, hit me very hard in that final scene. And I'm surprised how poignant and emotional these movies are about a bunch of toys, but, um, yeah, the first movie looks great, except when there are any humans on the screen. Um, Andy and his mom, and especially his sister, look horrifying. Sid's a um, little bit okay because he's supposed, supposed to, to be, look yeah. kind of gross. Like a murderer. Yeah. Uh, Remember always funny. being afraid of that sequence under oh, his bed God, when the yeah. toys first revealed when themselves? He was doing, now, even as an adult, I'm like, this kid literally... These are red like, flags. He, yeah, this kid <laughs> was going to kill some people. Yeah, he's like, going to grow up to be a sociopath. Yeah, it's awful. Like, he, But he just ends up being a garbage man. So, spoilers. Right. But um, I love these movies. Um, I was surprised the first one's, what, 95? Yep. And uh, how minus the human characters, I mean, it doesn't look amazing. But for 1995 and watching a movie in 4K – a fully CG animated movie. Um, I thought the actual toys, while they have like, they're a little bit more plasticky or, or uh, less realistic as they end up looking in, especially number three and what we'll probably get in four. Um, but it's also because of how good technology has yes, progressed. That's I, I mean, mean that's, yeah. that's the great thing about these movies is that the one thing I, I don't think you can really fault Pixar on or criticize them as, as, they release a new movie every year, every couple of years, is that the one thing that will always be better than the movies before is the technology, the is technology, the animation, sure. right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, the toys still looked good in the first one, but you could tell in humans and animals, especially, like, fur and stuff like that. Oh, like yes, it's dog, at, right? Yeah, the dog in the first one, and even how you see Buster in the in the, the third movie, and now what we, we see in the trailers, there's, like, a realistic-looking cat in one of those trailers that is incredible looking. Um, so anyways, uh, three, all three movies are great. Um, I think they're all equally as great. I don't really know if I have a favorite out of the three. I mean, I like the third um, one the most. I, so just do because I, yeah. I feel like it, it, it wraps up the Andy story Michael Keaton too, so come on. long yeah. and, and so well. And like, yeah. it just, 
it feels like like it is that was a natural conclusion and it just felt organic and emotional and poignant and I just again like I'm I'm excited to see Toy Story 4 and hope that they find a new way of telling this story or 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 opening it up to further adventures but at the same time it's like it's going to be tough because they just had a perfect ending for that trilogy totally agree so to be honest I haven't loved what I've seen from trailers um, which I actually hope is a good thing because my expectations, like yours, are kind of low. Right. Um, which means I might be very pleasantly surprised because, again, never doubt Pixar. Like, even their worst stuff, I would take over a lot of DreamWorks stuff or a lot of, like, um, Fox animated stuff or um, Illumination 100%. Um, right. Uh, Although you're going to be eating your words when Spies in Disguise uh, comes out this uh, winter. Yeah. What a <laughs> twist in that trailer, man. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you there that like I, I don't – I think it ended perfectly and they probably didn't need to do this. Um, but I mean we probably would have said the same after the first Toy Story or the second Toy Story as well, right? right? And it has been – like uh, we were talking before we started recording. Toy Story 3 came out nearly 10 years ago now. And it's it's been a while since I mean they they have been releasing shorts for holiday seasons whether it be Halloween or or Christmas but I've seen a few of those they're um, fine but. yeah they're fine I mean again the animation is great um, but the the stories themselves are are a little half baked but it's been a while since you have seen these characters so I think there has been enough time at least to you know be interested in going back to uh, the toy box. Um, but other than that, yeah, I just feel that they had a, a perfect ending and, and Toy Story is more than just, you know, um, an, a successful IP. Like this is the thing that kind of catapulted Pixar into the forefront of 3D computer animation. And like it is what defined Pixar for so long as the quintessential uh, animation company. So there's a lot riding on this in terms of just you know, what this represents to the company itself. Yeah, and I feel like I know it's going to make a bazillion dollars and it's already tracking to do that, but it's interesting in a year when Disney has so much with, like, Endgame and Star Wars coming up that this feels like it's sort of going under the radar, even though it'll make over $100 million probably opening weekend right. and things like that. And then that. you have Lion King, um, which is right. going to be coming out in July. Which will which also make a gazillion dollars. Um, so I feel Artemis Fowl was just kind of kicked off into 2020. Well, yeah, into oblivion. But uh, the review embargo for Toy Story so um, is Thursday at noon, okay. which I'm not seeing it until after then. You'll, you're seeing it earlier We'll, than we'll then, record but... on, the, on the next weekend and have it up. As soon as we can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you guys can probably expect that review um, next weekend at some point, depending yeah. on when Eric and I can get together. Because you um, got a friend in me. Actually, That's the other thing that I kind of... Probably like, I, Saturday, just so we'll talk. But anyways. Yeah, I like the Randy... New, I like that song, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not a big fan of the rest of his His music, stuff. where he just like... I was listening to the... Shout out to the kind of funny guys. I'm actually wearing their shirt right now. They're doing an E3 showcase um, as we speak that I watch after this. But... 
they're doing their Toy Story in review right now leading into the movie. And they just kept shit talking all the Randy Newman songs of just like spoon feeding you what you're supposed to be feeling at the time. Like when Buzz learns that he's a toy, <laughs> just goes into that Randy Newman song about him not being able to fly and stuff like that. Anyways. Right. And then um, it got worse because then they like Pixar was like, let's have Randy Newman for all of our movies. And then they they made him do the music or compose the music for Monsters, Inc. as well, which he won the Oscar for. And Randy Newman, I don't know, in the 1960s and 70s when Newman was doing his thing um, then, um, if he was just kind of having fun and enjoying it. But he always looks like a miserable son of a gun. Like, he just does not look happy to be anywhere or doing anything and i mean the music yeah like the music feels like one you're being spoon-fed but also it just feels like he's making it up on the spot yeah, he's doing um, improv the though. best song that he has ever <laughs> the best song that he has ever done is i love la which okay. is ridiculous in itself and if you have not seen that music video i highly recommend it he also did the uh the opening theme song for the very short-lived uh series cop rock uh, I don't know if anybody had ever seen that, but it was from Steve uh, Boschko, who did NYPD Blue and Hill Street's Blues, uh, who created a cop show that had musical numbers interspersed within within it. Okay. It's, and it's like a serious <laughs> drama, though, too. Um, but then all of a sudden, it's like you see like a crack addict like sing a Broadway musical number. Um, they, they're bringing him back for four. I didn't realize either. Of course they are, but <laughs> um, we'll see. I'm excited. I, I'm, like, excited, but, like, my expectations are, like, I know the early reviews came out, and they were very, very positive. That usually happens. I mean... Well, especially but, for Junket for, for, for junk it interviews, because that, that's what they're doing right now for, for coverage and... I mean, you can tell with the Disney stuff that they're confident in. It's usually three weeks before the movie comes out that the junket press see it and their embargo is pretty open other than an actual review they're allowed to give social media impressions and like even with our review embargo being a week before the release um that's usually telling right like when not all the time i mean there are good movies that don't screen for press or the embargoes are right up to the the but i mean when you see an embargo that's like the thursday night at 7 p.m or the morning of its release at like 8 a.m or something like that yeah Yeah, then there's there are warning signals that 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 go off right or even dark phoenix i'm surprised it was at like three in the morning remember right yeah it was at one in the morning because they tried to like bury it in the middle of the night but i remember fox was really confident with uh uh, x-men apocalypse because they screened that movie for us like three weeks early but was the embargo early too? yeah the embargo was let up early as well like it wasn't let up the, like the day that we saw it, but it was like oh we'll be letting it out next week so you can review it then and it was like right. oh wow maybe you guys should have waited for the yeah. wednesday the nail in the coffin um but yeah so the toy story movies are great they're uh definitely worth the purchase in 4k um i think I haven't compared them like side to side to the Blu-ray, but I was just like, you really like see the attention to detail when you're watching these Pixar movies in like in HDR and like the colors really, really pop Pop, and like, um, and just the detail on everything. Like as you get further and see the progression through these movies, um, I mean, Woody and Buzz and the toys all look pretty similar throughout all three, but they start to look more and more like, like real or tangible, even though they move the, the textures and the yeah, textile the of it yeah. is 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 more vivid and yeah, like again, like the third one, like you can see 
like the the plastic shine on Buzz and Woody so perfectly. Right. Like it, it's it feels like you actually could reach out and 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 grab, grab that or toy like and... uh, Lotso, right? Like yeah, his fur like the fur. Him, yeah, right. I remember the first time really noticing that though was with with um, Monsters Inc. with Sully's fur. Like that was like the first time where they were really paying attention to you know like how the wind moves hair and stuff like that. And 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 they've gotten better with humans. Obviously, I think also kind of making humans more cartoonish with something like Up, right? Where, like, you kind of create, like, block heads and bodies that are not, you know, necessarily symmetrical. Right, yeah. They started to nail down the look that they wanted for their human characters, but it kind of goes back and forth depending on the style of the movie, yeah. right? No, um, I'm also kind of interested because I really liked um, Incredibles 2, and I thought it was a really strong sequel, but as the year went on, I kind of forgot about it. And then when Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was released, I was like, yeah, there, there's no competition to which uh, superhero movie is, is better, what animated superhero movie is better. With what, sorry? Uh, Incredibles 2 kind of fading from memory, even though I really liked it when I watched it. Because mm-hmm. um, Spider-Verse? To Spider-Verse. Yeah. And then it's like, well, there was no competition, really. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, I enjoyed Incredibles 2 thoroughly. I just, uh, I'm 100% with you. Like, Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse kind of came in in a movie that we all thought looked cool from the trailers, but I think caught everyone sort of by surprise of how excellent it was, right? Where everyone, I mean, Incredibles 2 is a sequel we've been anticipating for a while, and it's felt like the most natural sequel in all of the Pixar movies, and right. they seem to do everything before it, but... Um, yeah, I've, I would like to revisit Incredibles 2. I just haven't had a huge desire to, but um, I enjoyed it when I watched it. But right, because, yeah. again, like with Disney and Pixar, like their films are always the default, you know, Oscar-winning animated movies of the year unless, you know, you get something that has that critical momentum going into it. Um, this year, I can't think of a, a whole lot that's going to be on that scale. I mean, unless they do submit... Uh, the Lion King is an animated movie, which they could very well. I mean, I don't know what the But I heard are. that they're not going to. I mean, it is an animated yeah. film, right? But, I mean, even if they shot some real locations and things like that, and they're just putting in the the lions and shit into the real locations. But maybe because of that, it's ineligible. But Because, right. like, if the backgrounds and the actual um, setting is shot in camera, but then they placed in the, the CG animals and stuff like that i don't know but. yeah because i feel like the the only film that really opposes like toy story for for um you know the oscar next year for for animated film is probably frozen 2 which is also a disney movie although there was a film that played at can called i lost my body which netflix picked up which may be uh, a competitor there but yeah it's just it's just nice to see Disney not always have a monopoly on that category as well and seeing Spider-Verse win yeah, yeah like that's that was because I didn't think that was going to happen I mean for I, I, I mean even bad Pixar movies or Disney movies end up winning exactly usually. exactly or like not you, bad but like mediocre ones or right? if you get a film like a Lego Anomalisa, movie wasn't even nominated. yeah nominated or if you get movies like yeah. Anomalisa or or Fantastic Mr. Fox they're not considered or Isle of Dogs even, or Isle right? of Dogs they're not considered by the animators in the same way because it's you know the filmmakers aren't animators they're from the outside looking in right like you're not a part of our 
our group. You're you're a famous filmmaker attempting to you know dabble in this, right? Um, and I liked Missing Link as well, but I think Missing Link has kind of been completely forgotten about. It's kind of missing in the conversation, uh, if a, you will. A thousand percent. I think now the other question is: Will Toy Story Four be good enough to transcend? Uh, that best animated feature. Um, oh, and get I mean, into the best because Toy category? Story three did right. Right. So, um, I mean, that's high expectations. But like, like I said, my expectations are low right now, and I don't expect that at all. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, the only thing possible. I'm, I'm hopeful for at this point, like even like, I mean, we're thinking about awards months down the line. Um, it's just that it's a good movie, and it's, it's a story with, tell. worth yeah. telling, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Those are the things that are important at this time. Right. I totally agree. Uh, what else have I been watching in my month off? Oh, one more thing. Yeah. Michael Keaton is Ken. That's what I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah, he's amazing. He, is he back for this? No, I don't think so. Ah, damn. So they must not go back to that daycare, right? Because no. that's where Ken and Barbie are hanging out. But God damn it. Uh, Michael Keaton so is the greatest. <laughs> he is so good. He is so good. Um, With that ascot as well. Oh, so good. That whole um, when he's changing. Speaking of ascots, Charles Dance wears an ascot in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Which we both saw. Which we both saw. Uh, I saw it at the Scotiabank Theater. My experience is a little bit different. You saw it at the drive-in. At the Mustang drive-in in Picton. All right. Um... Let's hear the story. Uh, it was not the greatest experience. Um, I love the drive-in as kitschy as it is. And like, I, you know the experience isn't going to be great at a drive-in, right? Like that's not what you're there for. Um, Especially but, if it's a darker looking movie or oh, if it's been saturated in post-production. It's, it's impossible. So, um, Can't get enough of that thick lizard, Like right? a monster movie like that you think would be fun at the drive-in, but... Um, the movie is so dark, and like you mentioned, like it does have this saturated bluish tinge to it, like throughout, and um, it was just fucking impossible to see what was going on and like pay attention to any of it, and um, which really made me not enjoy the movie. Like I've heard from most people that it's like not a great movie anyway, but like I can't even like tell you what happened because <laughs> like it was so dark and uh the movie obviously they say starts at dusk so they usually start the movie at like 9 9 10 when the sun is like setting but it's not fully dark yet either so like the first 20 25 minutes were like you couldn't you literally couldn't see anything right and um and then as it went on it was just kind of like ah, what what's going on now is that godzilla is that mothra i'm like is that oh no that's mothra cuz she has giant glowing like wings well she starts um, out as as, as a pupil a, yeah. right and that's what that's the stuff i love because again like I didn't think Godzilla King of the Monsters was great either, but I, I did feel that there were certain homages it was paying to the Toho Studios films. Um, and I think Mothra was the best designed uh, creature. And I just wish there was more of her. I love the scale of the movie, and I feel like the monster fights could have been cool if I maybe saw them in IMAX or something like that. I mean, the human story... Who cares? Right. But that's um, always been the problem yeah, with the human is, story. Yeah, like the I humans know. aren't supposed to be important. The only thing I would criticize with the humans is that you didn't need to cast all those big name yeah. actors for the, those roles. All you needed is like maybe one kind of name actor and a bunch of B-movie actors and, 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 and people that are kind of really not, you know, up and coming. Like it's just so distracting that you see O'Shea Jackson Jr. in a nothing role or, you know, Bradley Whitford doing all the kind of 
comedic shtick throughout the thing. And he's fun in, in, in those bits. But it's like you don't need that quality of actor in those roles. Yeah, I agree. And they fill the whole movie up with that. And it's just, I don't know. I, I will watch it again um, probably when it comes out on 4K, like eventually, like in a year from now or something. But um, my experience of the drive, and it wasn't like the best drive-in either. Either Like I've gone to some nicer drive-ins too that put a little bit more care into their screen and projector and concession stand and things like that this was a little bit more and it's fine a little bit more low budge but um i love the drive-in it just wasn't the best movie because like i kept looking at aladdin in my rear view mirror because aladdin's so bright and colorful you see will Um, smith just pop up he does all the time i saw his stupid blue face in my rear view as i'm trying to watch blue mothra up there um so I, I feel like we probably should have gone the Aladdin route because Nevis hadn't seen Aladdin yet. Uh, we would have left for Dumbo, just like we didn't stay for John Wick, which is another dark movie. Right. Um, where and Nevis hadn't seen John Wick yet either, but I was just like, ah, let's just go. You might as well watch this like at home or in a theater because you're not really going to get anything from it here. Um, so yeah. That was my experience with uh, Godzilla. So I did watch that. Uh, what else did I watch? I, Nevis and I randomly watched Austin Powers the other day. So stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> dumb. But I love that movie. Um, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's great. A lot of vagina is good. Um, uh, random task. <laughs> um, Basil exposition. It's just, it's great. Tom very, Arnold showing yeah, up. Just very on the, yeah, who is number two working for? <laughs> you tell him. Um, <'em. laughs> um, Tom Arnold, Nevis and I made a joke saying he's almost like um, budget Phil Hartman. He is um, in a lot of ways. Uh, he's not, I, I don't really care for him at all, but I no. love him in um, True Lies. I think he's great in True Lies. Yeah, I'm not a big Tom Arnold fan, but he just reminds me of like, oh, when Phil Hartman passed, let's get Tom Arnold to do that kind of role. Right. Um, But Phil Hartman's amazing. Uh, What else did I watch? I'll just quickly go through mine, and then you have a giant-ass list where you can kind of give us the the highlights of your your month-long viewing habits. I watched uh, starting my Tarantino rewatch. Leading up into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know if you're going to do that either, but I watched Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Um, both phenomenal movies that hold up very, 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 very well. Uh, both look great on Blu ray. I wish those movies were out in 4K, but. Good luck. That's not going to happen anytime soon. No, not anytime soon. He'll just re edit things into extended cuts or tv shows right uh but no 4ks uh skipped jackie brown i know that's you need to rewatch that it's got the keats man pam Greer's best <laughs> i put it on i don't know dude you know how much i love tarantino yeah and i know that's uh, a very basic i see that you have the box bit, set yeah just right, like, yeah because i started there. watching kill bill um i i love him i know that i just there's something about jackie brown i put it on and i'm like i just don't like this movie i'm like it's not that it's bad like it's still no it's great i just it's just not i it's just not the tarantino that i want right um it's very much how i feel kind of like even when i'm watching death proof to an extent as well um i think those would be my like bottom two um and i just don't care about them but at least death proof to me has some like style Right. Um, and or his trademark style where I feel like we were talking the other day where Jackie Brown's his most straightforward 
Right, but uh, I, th- I still think work, there's right? a lot of style in that. I mean, just in the soundtrack alone. Yeah. You know, like across 110th Street, uh, um, Strawberry Letter, uh, what was the name of the brother, brother, uh, Brothers Johnson? Like, like there's a lot of music there. Like, there's the shot at the beginning when Pam Greer is, is going from, you know, the, the last flight she was on to walking on that conveyor belt. And you see, like, the yellowish background and then the the title card comes up with yeah. Jackie Brown. Oh, I know, it's even great. just the casting like having Sid Hag as a, a a judge in the scene where um they they arrest um Pam Greer's character. Like th- those scenes are all great and then like on top of that you have like the video you know the of the girls with guns and like all that ridiculous oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> that and, good. and yeah, and I, like that's all Don't like, get the- me wrong, I like De Niro, I like Sam Jackson, like I um I there's a lot of people in that that I, I it, and, it, and Guillermo Navarro is the cinematographer on that. Yeah. Who at that point was doing a lot of Guillermo del Toro's movies. Right. Um, yeah. It's not that I don't, I don't hate it. It's just, I think when I'm like, when I want to watch a Tarantino movie, it's near the bottom of the ones that I want to watch. Right. Like for just me personally. And like, um, I don't even know leading up into Hollywood if I'll end up watching it just because like I was way more in a Kill Bill mood at that time after I finished Pulp Fiction than I was a Jackie Brown mood. Right. Um, Strawberry Letter 23 is the name of the song and okay. it's great. But I love that soundtrack. I like that movie. It's it's weird because I felt the same way when I first saw it yeah. in high school. Like I remember watching Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and this was like around the time that Kill Bill was about to be released. And then I saw Jackie Brown, and I liked it, but I felt like, yeah, like this was, I mean, obviously it's based on uh, Elmore Leonard's Rum Punch novel, and it's his only adaptation, quote-unquote, in terms of adapting somebody else's material. Um, But the more I go back to it, I hate to say it because I don't want to sound like I'm snooty or condescending because I love all of Tarantino's stuff – it's his weirdly, I think it's his most mature movie. Or yeah, it's the movie I, that, I'm not denying that yeah, at all. And it's also the movie that a lot of people that don't like Tarantino films 100%. say is the one Tarantino movie they, that like. they like. And I totally get that. Yeah. And I can see from my sta- standpoint as well, yeah. someone who that would be their least favorite because they like some of the more out there or like you said, like I'm not saying the other ones are immature, but I get what you're saying for right. sure. Yeah, like um, like the people, like the characters in Jackie Brown, like he's always said this, like the the characters in Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction would be watching movies, would be watching Kill Bill and Inglorious Bastards at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Like those are the those are Tarantino's movies, but the movies within a movie yeah. are the ones that he's been doing more recently. I still think that his probably his best two. I mean, I love Reservoir Dogs because it's the first one of his I saw, but Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards are the two that keep kind of fighting for number one. Yeah. And I feel like they're collectively what represents and makes Tarantino great. Yeah. Um, I love Kill Bill. Um, that That's always, I mean, actually more recently become my favorite Tarantino because I remember first watching Kill Bill, um, not really liking it when I was a teenager and then um, rewatching it in the last 10, 10 years or so and falling in love with kill bill but i think bastards and kill bill are probably up there and then pulp fiction close after that yeah uh for me uh as like a top three um and then i'm excited for hollywood just to kind of like i i I mean i really enjoyed django and i and i and hateful eight but i i haven't i don't think i was i was never as like after i watched inglorious bastards i was like giddy 
Like I loved that movie. Like I right. fucking loved it. And I don't think I've gotten back to that since. Like I enjoyed Django. I think it's a incredibly enjoyable movie. Um, and Hateful Eight, I was a little mixed on when I first saw it. Still enjoyed it. Uh, the the more I watched it, the more I uh, enjoyed it. Even though it's a yeah. tough watch. And, and we're hours, also but... now comparing this in the Tarantino canon because like. If you were to look at the Hateful Eight compared to other movies that we've watched, oh, it's yeah. like yeah, you know, ten times better than most anything that came out that year. But when you're looking at it in the Tarantino canon, I wouldn't not disagree. Although I did, it was weird. I had this like obsession with the Hateful Eight, and I think a part of it was because of Eno Morricone's score, score, which was just. Yeah. You know, even the thing seventy millimeter extra wide too. Yeah, and it looked great, and 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 I loved it, and I loved where it went. But there were some moments in Hateful Eight, like Tarantino's weird voiceover interjecting in the second half, that feels like an audio commentary and not the worst parts of both Django and that movie are when Tarantino inserts himself. Right. Yeah, and I don't mind Tarantino in both Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Even even in Jackie Brown, he's just a, a voice on a message machine. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like especially, I'd say even more so with Django, just because he's doing what I think is an Australian <laughs> accent, but it really is it's not. So especially bad. when he is doing is it with that two Australian to be Joseph actors. Gordon Levitt. Yeah. Oh God, another guy who's going to do some fucking accent, right? And it's just especially bad because he is doing it against two actors that do have Australian accents. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, God bless him though. You know what? He's one of a kind. Yeah. Um, but I'm so excited for Hollywood. So I'm, uh, I'm kind of making my way through those and I'll, I'll, I'm going to power through. I'm going to try and watch Jackie Brown. I just need to be in a very, the other Tarantino movies I can just put on. The one I would be, I would be curious to see if you could get through. I I think I need to give it some time is death proof. Yeah. And it's just because. Yeah. Of everything behind kill. Well, what happened with kill bill and how he took kind of that behind the scenes problem with him and Uma Thurman and made it into Kill Bill. And then also on top of that, you have Rose McGowan as the first right. victim of Kurt Russell's stuntman, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I go back to death proof being even, I think I could make an argument that it's probably his worst just because but like, I still love that movie. It's like, it's weird. Like I like at least when I saw it, I, I think remember... not worse. Again, we're talking, we're comparing Tarantino yeah. to Tarantino. I would still take death proof. I think over a lot of other movies, I just think maybe it's the most not, I not forgettable. There are a lot of unforgettable moments, but I remember it's his most straightforward genre movie. Like it feels like he really is, playing within the or, or coloring within the lines or driving within the street in this case with yeah. the genre that he is paying I, homage to and i love grindhouse as a uh kind of production like all of it together like yeah. i think i like it more as an idea and how it was executed on more than i like each individual film it's like an um, anthology movie right yeah. like where like one part you might like more than the other, and that kind of throws it off in terms of the overall. But I arc. love like the coming attractions, and I love the whole way it's produced and the, the trailers, missing, the, the missing frames, and like all of that stuff. Like the whole production value on Grindhouse as a package, and I have that Blu-ray that kind of puts them together. I don't. Yeah. Know, do you have them or yeah, I do. separately? No, or I have them have together. Both? Probably knowing you, you probably have. Death Proof on its own and... I thought about picking up Death Proof on its own because, again, like, looking at it as a whole, I do still think Death Proof is ten times better than Planet Terror. I enjoy Planet Terror. I had fun with it. It's a fun B-movie. But but... I look at Planet Terror. Planet Terror is like going to McDonald's and Death Proof is going to the keg. Okay. (laughs) 
you know, in terms of food. I mean, food, all right. Maybe like, a different fancier fast food. Maybe not the keg. Okay. Like a, like a, uh, Licks. An Arby's. Or, yeah. No, well, I'd say Licks. You okay. me, I mean, yeah, like, Licks for people that remember Licks. Is Licks closed for good I think now? so, yeah. Man, that Licks sauce. Oh, yeah. It was, was great. Excellent. Yeah. So that's what, that's what Death Proof is, is, is Licks. Okay, um, that's such a niche reference that only people in like the Durham region or Harvey's, get. Harvey's like sure. something like that, like like a slightly elevated burger. <laughs> Fair, um, but yeah, like it's it's when when you think of Tarantino stuff. Although I mean, Stuntman Mike is a very memorable character, and the actual car crashes are brutal. disturbing. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Uh, finally, last thing I watched was a documentary called Raising Kratos. Uh, which was uh, a feature-length documentary that you can watch on YouTube for free about the making of God of War, um, the newest game from um, uh, uh, Sony Santa Monica, I want to say, and uh, basically follows the game's director, Corey Barlog, and his journey making this... uh, this crazy reboot of the God of War franchise. Cause I don't know if you know much about the God of War franchise, but Kratos was this very, it was a very um, like bro video game, very violent kind of sexist. <laughs> like um, uh, was there a character with glasses or am I thinking of half-life or something? Like no. That? Yeah. You're thinking of half-life. I think Kratos had like, he was bald and had this beard and tattoos, like tribal. Oh, did tattoos. he have like something he on his chains, face that was like had, an orange? Yeah. And he had, mark. yeah. And he had big chains that he would throw around yeah. and kill everyone. And he would like, goes and, to that goes to the fast and furious movies a lot. Right. And then it was based in Greek mythology, right? Like he was the God of war in Greek mythology and he had to fight it. His family got murdered and he fight his way through, uh, Mount Olympus and stuff like that. Uh, so anyways, they did this ambitious reboot where they kind of made it more uh, grounded in a sense or more like adult, but not in a... Um, like the other games felt a little juvenile where they really kind of made this very poignant. So and, this is rated M for um, mature, but really mature. Actually mature, yeah. And it's an excellent, excellent video game. I was never a fan of the God of War games before this, but they took Kratos, placed him in Norse mythology, um, and I think for people who are even only familiar with North mythology from like the Marvel movies would still get like a lot out of this. And, um, and they do a really excellent job of, uh, of explaining like the process of making a gigantic video game like this. I don't think it's an excellent movie, but it was like a, it's almost like a really good special feature. It's, it's um, great for people that play the game to get some more insight into the, the character design and yeah. the concepts and to really kind of get into the nitty gritty of it. Right. A hundred percent. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan of that game, like I was, like, I think it was one of my favorite, I think it was my favorite game of that year. And, um, it remind like Sony's just been on such a roll with like really great cinematic video games, which is what I really love being a movie guy. And like, I talk about the last of us all the time. We have a story about uncharted. Charted, I knew that up. was coming. Um, so I think that that's a, uh, a good way to lead into that but if you're interested in it at all or in game development or seeing how that process works out check out raising kratos i think it's streaming in 4k on youtube um if you want to uh check it out it's like an hour and a half and um uh i thought it was a decent watch like it was a really easy watch like not great but like pretty solid so. right and especially for people that are interested in the game or gaming design and yeah. just learning more behind 100%. the scenes yeah it was cool and Corey's a really like 
good dude too. Like I knew him from some other podcasts and different things. And he seems like really down to earth and he's grown with the character. Like he was there from the very beginning and now it's showing like his maturity as well. Cause he's like a now proud dad, yeah, he is a dad now and like things like that. So he brought in a lot of that stuff into this new game. And, um, yeah, I think it's excellent. And I can't wait for, or the game is excellent and I can't wait for the next one. So, uh, it made me very, very excited. Have they ever tried to option that for, for a film? Adaptation? God of war. They must have, I'm sure. Like, I mean, there was the news. I think we might've missed during our month off, or maybe it was before then that Sony opened PlayStation studios, um, to try and make more video game movies, which is weird. Cause I don't know what this uncharted thing, like, is it coming from PlayStation studios or is it just directly from Sony, Sony? pictures and something like that? So, and like, what's going to happen with the last of us, it was at ghost house. Well, that's, right? but, but ghost house time. is a part of Sony. It is right. Yeah. Like it's a, yeah. Cause um, that's, that's Sam, Sam Raimi's company yeah. that is with Sony. Like, or they have a first, first look deal or something. So, so it's interesting. I don't know. Like, we just need one of these movies to break out, right? And, like, Pokemon didn't quite get there, but it was, like, we're starting to see the seeds planted, I think, for people to, like, superhero movies are still gigantic, but, I mean, even with X-Men this weekend, another story that we're going to talk about, like, uh, kind of fizzling out means that not every superhero movie is going to be a smash uh, hit, right? But, right. Um, it's video game movies will take off. It just takes like, it's just going to take one or two of them to be v- actually good. And then you'll start to see them pop off everywhere. Yeah, Cause but... when one gets through the door opens for other possibilities, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with the comic book movies. I mean, look at where, I mean, I, I think it'll be a little bit harder for, uh, video game adaptations still just because like, I find that the best ones are the ones, like you mentioned, like, you know, with video games being cinematic, are the ones that sort of take the very easy approach that people are comfortable or or know is just, like, an action-adventure movie the way that Tomb Raider is. I still think that Tomb Raider is probably the best uh, video game movie. That's why I think Uncharted has a shot at being... Even if it's not going to be a great movie, yeah. Because if you just make it an just, Indiana Jones knockoff, I think people will go. That's see That's what it. Uncharted is, yeah. right? Like that's that's all it is. Yeah, so. and and I think if you make The Last of Us a like a zombie movie or try to make it a, kind of within that genre, movie wise, mm-hmm. and sort of take away whatever you need to from the gameplay, because that's the other thing. That, like you have to think like what other story are they going to interject? to make it work and like are you going to be thinking the whole time while you're watching well i could just be playing the game at home and be doing it on my own time then having to watch some director and writer you know craft something that i'm not interested in or engaged by yeah and uh i mean i don't have it on our news so i'll bring it up here but the other announcement today at ubisoft's press conference because e3 is happening right now which is the biggest video game uh conference keanu reeves Um, was there yeah he's in cyberpunk 2077 man yeah he's having a hell of a year like that was one of the biggest surprises was i was watching the the xbox the microsoft conference and cyberpunk had a trailer and at the end of the trailer it was revealed that uh keanu reeves is in the game playing a character do you know what the character's name is 
No. Johnny Silverhand. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Does he have it's a like, silver hand? Oh, he does. Yeah. Nice. He has a cyborg His name arm. is Apt, then. Um, very Blade Runner-esque game, kind of, or like Alita Battle Angel, kind of like... Well, I saw people making fun um, of it and saying, like, oh, it's like Johnny Mnemonic, which is... It is kind of like... Movie. Yeah, well, how many characters has he played named John or Johnny? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just a, a, a joke now, but um, he's playing Johnny Silverhand, and Cyberpunk <laughs> looks fucking dope, but everyone was surprised, and he just showed up on stage being Keanu Reeves, and he's having a hell of a year and a hell of a comeback, sort of, in the, these last kind of four or five years. Yeah, the um, John Wick series has given him new life, and it just seems like it's like on that with Toy Story, with another franchise that he might be popping up. I don't want to spoil it if mm-hmm. people don't know about it yet. Um, and he might. there's rumors that he might be in Eternals as well. Yeah, yeah, um, that's been floating around. I'm sure we'll hear... I, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about that. If he shows up Spider-Man. in that other franchise and Eternals and he's in Toy Story 4 and Cyberpunk and Always Be My Maybe and all the John Wick movies, we're having a, a Keanu, Keanu comeback. Sons? Yeah, it's awesome. And then, sorry, going back to the Ubisoft thing today. So they were doing a presentation on The Division and we knew that they were making it into a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, and Jake Gyllenhaal um, had optioned the right through his production company a while ago and Netflix just picked it yes, up today. so that's exactly what I was going to say. So they announced that at the Ubisoft press conference today um, that Netflix will be distributing uh, The Division. So that's interesting. I mean, they probably... I mean, post-apocalyptic movies, I mean, Bird Box did really well for them, which was just basically capitalizing off of A Quiet Place. I know they were probably made around the same time, but uh, it worked out well for Netflix. To and then they had that, that right other after. one that recently came out with Stanley Tucci, where it was giant right. bats called The Silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, bless Netflix. They just dropped, like, I, I'm flipping through and I'm just like, oh, that movie's out already? I had no idea. Right. Um, well, there, I mean, I don't know if you got the email today, but um, Touchwood sent me the email for... Uh, murder mystery, the Adam Sandler oh, yeah. Jennifer uh, Aniston team up where they go off on vacation and have to solve a murder mystery. Adam Sandler just going on a free paid yeah, vacation. Yeah, it's funny because like in in the description of it, it says like finally reuniting Jennifer Aniston and, <laughs> and Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh boy! It's, it's like, um, yeah. But the division, I think that works for Netflix. And it, like, I mean, I like I like Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain, and I, the division is a really it it is. Exactly. Like, I love post-apocalyptic movies. It's, like, one of the my guilty pleasures. Like, that's why I think I love The Last of Us, even though it is a zombie kind of thing. It is more of a post-apocalyptic, the road kind of um, uh, movie but or video game. But um, The Division is the same thing. Like, a, a virus wipes out everyone, and there's these, this it's faction like the of the government. as well, right? Yeah, a little bit, right? And um, – I'll be interested to see how that turns out. So we'll see. Uh, we're already an hour and five minutes in, and we haven't even got past what we've been watching. Yeah, well, we haven't uh, even started really what I've been watching. Yeah, I know. So uh, do you want to give us like a highlights of? Yeah, like, sure. Some so like- I'll, I'll first say that uh, between the last time we did this show and now, I counted how many movies <laughs> I watched. And I watched twenty-two. Okay, maybe let's not talk about all. No, 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 no. But, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to say and we talked about this even up front. Um, you can go and see uh, my full reviews for Godzilla: King of the Monsters, uh, Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir, uh, Dark Phoenix, either on this site or on RogersTV.com/slash/CinemaScene, and The Tomorrow Man. Uh, right now, um, coming up uh, late night. And uh, the dead don't die, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the dead don't die once you see it as well. Um, so I won't really talk about those, and I don't think I have really too much to say about 
uh, the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Bedtime Stories remake, uh, The Hustle, other than it's a good plain movie. Um, it's short. Um, I like both leads. Anne Hathaway specifically is having a lot of fun. Um, the Intruder is ridiculous because Dennis Quaid is giving a Randy Quaid-esque performance. Oh, God. There's, so if you don't know what the story is, it's about um, a couple that buy this really nice... Uh, sort of country home, this mansion for $3.5 million from crazy Dennis Quaid who shoots a deer right in front of them when they drive up. So, you know, there's no red herrings there uh, and begins stalking them after they bought the house and keeps coming over and telling them how to do things. And uh, there's one sequence in the film where they have a bit uh, the couple, the main couple, Michael uh, Ely and Megan Good, have a bit of a... Um, uh, an argument and then they make up and it's during Christmas apparently because it's not really clear <laughs> when these events are actually happening other than that they're setting up Christmas decorations and so they have a Christmas tree out and they they have their 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 sex scene and then Dennis Quaid is in the background standing next to the Christmas tree making faces like this I mean I know you nobody will be able to see it but I'll do it for Matt so he's going like he's doing like yeah and it's just like pervert faces. pervert face but it also looks like he's constipated um so if you're looking for an ironically bad movie i would kind of recommend that like it's a good kind of like sure yeah but the reason why i saw both of those movies is because uh the landmark cinemas oh you giving your review of the new uh finally revealed their new uh concession stands the marketplace yeah marketplace self-service and it is great now it will probably be really awkward and tough on Tuesdays and weekends just yeah. like as it would always be but if you're going to a movie you know uh say on a Monday night or any other time during the week it's so spacious and lovely and it feels like you're sitting in like a market or or an airport cafe or something like that um and the self-serve is really it's strange because like you go to the hot dog vendor and you're like can I have a hot dog? And you don't pay for it there. Like yeah. you go to the very back and then you pay for it. But it's just, it, it feels. So you went on like a weeknight when it wasn't that busy. Yeah. Right? And I didn't even know that it was open yet. Right. So I was just trying to catch up with movies that I yeah. was forcing myself to see. And then when I got there and saw it was open, I was like, wow, this is like, this made the trip. Okay. Automatically. Like, I this love is it. more memorable than the movies that I saw. That cinema has made some really, really good improvements. And it was already pretty solid before. I mean, they started with those great chairs that they have there. And now they yeah. keep like, they are they keeping the two concession stands on either no, side? No, no, they've too? gotten rid of those now. Oh, okay. But it's so big that there's a lot, like, like there's enough room for people to move around like it right. feels like there was like two like it is really two or three concession stands put into this marketplace yeah because um, i've heard and it's kind of like bulk barn too right yeah you can pick out all these candies and so nuts mike and stuff. our friend mike Munts also went gave a slightly different review because i think he went on a weekend where he was like it was a little bit of a nightmare which i i or, can see that happening um he's like it just seemed like it was like kind of chaotic on a very busy night and uh i mean Mike, if you're listening, you can chime in and I'll give your actual impressions. This is just based on text messages we had. Um, and then he said that uh, it seemed like they raised the prices. Because I remember it always being fairly reasonable at Landmark. But I think Mike was saying that it was like 
$7 for a bag of candy now and something like that, which is pretty expensive. Like $5 is right. usually what it was before. Well, but... I didn't have any of the candy. I just yeah. picked up a hot dog and a, and a Diet Coke, and How it much was around that? the same price. It was like yeah. 6 7 something altogether. Oh, okay. That's not right? too bad. So, um, but I, I can see that just because of the renovations being expensive, and that's where they're making their money. The I mean, theater. I'll gladly pay for pay more money if you're giving me a great experience yeah right? and good like, service and good service yeah because like i mean our biggest complaint with a lot of these multiplexes is that they just don't give a shit and who knows landmark could go back to uh seeming like they don't give a shit but at least with their new brand platform and their marketing and what they're doing at this theater and i don't know if every landmark if anyone has a landmark near them and it's different or not the same experience i don't know if they're using whippy as like a like, hey, we got this new theater. It's in a good area. We're going to try and put all the best stuff here. Or if they do this in all of their theaters. But, like, I, I got to say, their their projection and sound, more often than not, pretty good. Yeah. Um, and proper masking. We I know we we always talk about how, how much we love the Whippy Landmark Theater. and um, I think that's why I like The Intruder even more than I probably should have. Right. Like, I only gave it two stars. But it was like, when I saw that, the, the masking, I was oh, like, when oh, that, yeah. When that screen opens up, it just, yeah, oh, I don't even... I don't even want to talk about what happens to me. Uh, so in those comfortable chairs and like, God, it's so good. Um, I almost makes me want to move back to the Durham region from right. Toronto. Um, and it's funny. But I got the cineplexes were doing the same thing, you yeah. know, like paying that much detail to the experience and to good service. It'll be in- yeah. Instead of trying to make it into a, a a restaurant or something like that. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, whenever they open new theaters, they're doing the VIP thing. And they have the floating screens, which are garbage. And then, like, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting when Scotiabank eventually crumbles. That, like, where the new downtown. Like, I mean, Young and Dundas is obviously in, a, in the most touristy spot in Toronto and probably the most densely central, right? central location, but like where they're going to put that secondary theater. Um, Cause I mean, the young and Dundas still has a ton of screens, but I doubt that they won't replace Scotiabank with something. Right. Right. Um, I would love an Alamo draft house to swoop in um, at some point, but I just don't see that happening unless they go to like North York or Etobicoke or something like that a little further out. Um, I still think that will happen, but, uh, if you'd think it would have happened by now, right? right. Like, but Alamo is just starting to expand in the U S right. So maybe they want to get to those big markets there with, they like, they have their San Fran and their LA theater and their New York ones. But maybe once they hit up all the major, like, you know, whenever a movie goes into limited release and then they'll expand to those secondary markets, maybe like a, a Toronto or a chicago and things like that right but we'll see i just wish we had more option i guess like for first run cinemas like and i know we're beating this to death because we talk about it every week but landmark fantastic so you you enjoy the concession the movies are were whatever right yeah but but it made it worth going like you just added something extra to the experience that i hadn't had in a while in in terms of just being you know, a, a casual movie goer for a night and, and just having a good time with the environment and the atmosphere and feeling like, oh, this is kind of why I love going to movies in the first place. Yeah. And that that is the experience that it gave me. So, you know, if, if yeah, but I totally agree with what, what, what you were saying, what Mike was, was texting you. 
that if you go on a Friday or a weekend or a Tuesday, I can see it being really uh, cumbersome to maneuver in that area because it would just be packed full of people kind of trying to figure out where to grab what and, and, and where and where to actually go because I feel like there will be a lot of people that are still trying to figure out like okay where do i actually pay for all of this you just need people to get used to it yeah but it's still gonna be busy no matter what right like it's anytime you go on a weekend to a place like that it's always packed i mean we were recently for shazam and it was still and rocket man yeah and rocket man and it was still packed for for both of those screenings and concessions on on either side when they didn't have uh the main market open yet was still packed so Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's still, you know, they're still trying to figure it out. But I'm sure, like, again, if you go on a Monday night or, or any other weekday that's not Tuesday, it, it will be fine. And that would probably be the best time to go. Yeah, I mean, that's the best time to go to the movies anyway. So. Yeah. Um, Thursday nights are even great because you the only movies that are busy are the brand new ones, right? So, right. Um, I always say either go see a movie right away or wait. Right. Um, so uh, going from there, I watched um, a forgotten Australian horror movie that um, talking about. There's always one every week. We're going to be like, I, I watched this random ass. Well, no, it's not completely random because um, Severin Films really released it on Blu-ray recently. But it's one of the, like, every year there's kind of like a forgotten genre movie. And this is like one of Tarantino's favorites. Okay. So talking about Django Unchained and specifically that scene where he plays the Australian, one of the two other actors that play Australians with him, John Jarrett. Who's in probably this movie? Is in the movie, um, but is best known as the serial killer villain in Wolf Creek. I don't know if you've ever saw or heard of those movies. I have heard of Wolf Creek. So he yeah. plays like the main kind of villain in, in those films. But in this movie, he plays like the love did interest. Did they remake Wolf Creek? They, no, they did two movies and I think a TV series. Okay, what movie am I thinking of? Similar name. Wolf Creek. Wolf on... It had like a weird underscore in it. Cry wolf. Cry wolf. Cry wolf. Cry with, uh, underscore wolf. Yeah, yeah, with uh, John Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking God, of what cry. a piece of crap that movie is. I mean, Wolf Creek isn't that good either. Like, it's it's. it's you it's, could see why I got confused. Though, yeah, right? yeah. They both have wolf in the title and uh, serial killers. Yeah, and and Wolf Creek is one of those films that's like a torture porn kind of movie where the serial killer really delights in slowly torturing his victims, and it kind of feels like. It was directed by Eli Roth, even though it wasn't. Anyway, so going back to 1984, this is uh, directed by Tony Williams, and it's about a young woman who inherits her mother's estate that's now become a retirement home, and she hasn't been there for a really long time. Uh, It's called Montclair, um, and as soon as she gets there, weird things start happening, and you think that that it might be supernatural, and she might be uh, being uh, gaslit or, or gaslighting is, is the scenario in which she's kind of being uh, forced to leave. Um, she's not welcomed. Um, and you kind of meet a group of characters that are, you know, suspicious and, and you're not sure if, again, it's supernatural or if it's just something more human. 
And it kind of plays like a kind of like the changeling. It's a very slow movie at times, but I can see why Tarantino likes it because there's a lot of weird camera angles and crane shots and dollies that kind of speed up and move in that last act. And like there's a red ball where she has a flashback to, and that's specifically what reminded me of Changeling, where the red ball bounces down the stairs. Um, But it's okay. I liked it. I liked it for what it was, but it's not necessarily what the poster is selling you on like right on the poster there's this like creepy hand and i remember the vhs and like blockbusters when i was a kid um reaching down and it looks like a demon hand so i was thinking oh it's like a monster movie and it's, right. it's really not <laughs> yeah but it's more of a slow burn aussie film that's kind of ripping off uh the george c scott movie changeling okay um but it's it's worth checking out um it's really expensive on blu-ray because it's an import so you can watch it on amazon prime right now um also what i watched on amazon prime was uh under the silver lake yeah you finally got around to it i still have it i did and i didn't hate it and i think it was a movie that uh a24 uh unfairly dumped on vod i think it would have been a great movie to actually watch on the big screen and i might have even liked it more because of that, um, because it's visually beautifully shot, Michael uh, Giolakis is a cinematographer who also shot uh, follows, David Robert right? Mitchell's It Follows and also did uh, Split and Glass. Um, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, it's uh, Andrew Garfield kind of plays like this hipster writer who's not really doing anything. He falls in love with a girl that he meets. Kind of a his... burnout, right? Yeah, kind of a burnout. He falls in love with this mysterious young woman played by Riley Keough who then the next day disappears and he has to kind of find her and he stumbles into a mystery that by design um, doesn't make any sense and it feels like he's just kind of fallen into something like everything that he's doing um kind of would have you suggest or think that maybe he's mentally ill right um and there's a lot of weird detours and red herrings and moments that work and some moments that don't at times it feels very pretentious and like everything that is saying is philosophical and has some greater meaning to it or depth but it really doesn't and also on top of that, it's also a neon neo noir, so it's kind of playing within the genre of seventies movies like Night Moves and uh, The Long uh, Goodbye and things like that. Um, and some people have said David Lynch as well, but I kind of am mixed on that because it does have a dreamy quality to it. But and also uh, Patrick Fleischer is in uh, this movie as well, who is the guy who gets scared by the woman behind the Mulholland drive. Yeah. Mulholland drive. Um, he's very good in the movie. Um, and there's a lot of small roles that are like, you know, blink if you miss them or you, you're like, Oh shit, that's Topher Grace with a weird beard being a creepy (laughs) pervert using his drone to spy on a young woman taking off her clothes. And that is the one thing that I was a little uncomfortable throughout the movie is that this movie treats women really badly. Like it's the male gaze thing. Like there are times where you'll have the, any female character that's kind of like, talking to Garfield and if he zones out or feels like he's endangered he'll look at them and then they'll start barking at him like dogs because there's this whole subplot about like a dog killer walking around LA and killing dogs and it just kind of feels a little bit immature but then you could also maybe argue that well it's supposed to be like that because a lot of those movies 
um, especially in the time of the hard-boiled detective uh, treated women like that. Yeah, yeah, and like women were were window dressing or. or... I get it. I, I do really want to watch it. It's and good. I know, it yeah. is it is an interesting movie, and 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 I think I would have loved this film if I was fifteen or sixteen and hadn't and just s- getting into like yeah, and some... hadn't seen a lot of noir and yeah. and hadn't seen a lot of movies that it's referencing. Like this movie would have blown my mind then, and it would have been like a Fight Club, I think in fair, a lot of ways. Fair. Yeah. And then when you see. Like it's it's also very immature in that way. Like Fight Club is where like when you actually start to grow up and then you look back at it, you're kind of like you oh, cringe yeah, a little bit, but I like you don't. Yeah, yeah. Because Fight Club is one of those movies where I liked a lot as a kid. Same thing with Donnie Darko. But then as I get older, I'm kind of like, yeah, they're not that great. But they were good for the moment that they were. When you're a teenager uh, yeah. and stuff like that, I get it. And I, I, I mean, I think they still serve a purpose, and you can have a soft spot for those movies. Even oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I do think like there's like a certain like you don't necessarily always listen to the same music that you did when you were 15 or 16. And it's the same thing with films. Like, you know, like people that uh, listen to Blink-182 or The Offspring then right. don't necessarily listen to it now because they've outgrown it. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't listen to Trapped or Three Days Grace. Right, or Corn or any of <laughs> those. Yeah. Saliva. Oh, God. <laughs> P.O.D. Um, so, yeah, I would. I, that's also on... Um, uh, Amazon Prime right now. You've been on also, a Prime kick, buddy. Well, I've got two more, and I, and I think I'll leave it at these two because they're also on Amazon Prime. Um, I didn't realize that I had Amazon Prime. <laughs> so for the longest time, I've had it, and I've just never used it. Until um, you did Silver Lake, the thing that kind of... Uh, Silver Lake and a, a really bad Stephen King movie, Sleepwalkers, were the two movies that kind of kick-started. Yeah. Um, Sleepwalkers, I'll just quickly say, it's, it's kind of like a, a werewolf movie where uh, a mom and his uh, a mom and a teenage son move into this kind of small town and um, they're looking for the most purest girl in the town and it takes place in the 1950s and they find uh, they target a uh, uh, Magkin uh, Amick from uh, Twin Peaks and you find out that the mother and the son are actually also in a relationship uh, sexually, and it's really disturbing and wonderful. Um, but it's one of those horror movies that, because it's written by Stephen King as well, like the the screenplay. And it's one of those movies where it's like it is total fan service and pandering, and tonally it just doesn't work because it jumps from one extreme to the next in the storyline. But there's like a sequence where um, there's a crime scene, and Stephen King has a cameo. And he's the park ranger, or no, he's the cemetery uh, guard that's supposed to do the rounds there. And he walks up and he's like, who do I have to talk to to make sure I don't get in trouble for this? And the first person he's talking to is is a lab tech. And it's like, the guy's like, dude, I don't know, ask the sheriff. And the person who says that is um, uh, uh, Toby Hooper. Okay. And you're like, okay, great. Toby Hooper directed yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then it's like, go to that guy. And then he goes up to the next guy. It's like, do I talk to you about this? He's like, no, go to the sheriff. And then you're like, oh, that's Clive Barker who directed Hellraiser. And then... And then later on, there's it's a, a little scene with, too much. Like, yeah, and then the there's no, another yeah. scene later on that's like that as well with uh, Joe Dante and John Landis, and you're just like, "All right, yeah, enough. let's we yeah. get it." Oh, and Mark Hamill's in the beginning of it as well, um, in an uncredited role. Uh, but it's it's bad. But um, speaking of uh, Amazon Prime, I will quickly mention that I've been watching. Uh, shout out to uh, Rachel West who posted on uh, her Twitter that Unsolved Mysteries 
uh, hosted by Robert Stack, is playing. Uh, they have all the seasons on uh, on Amazon? Amazon Prime. It's yeah. interesting because it's coming back on Netflix, right? Yeah, there's some stuff that's on Amazon Prime. I was just kind of looking through their selection. That's either on Netflix now or as you mentioned is coming on or is on like, shutter that's that yeah like unsolved they're reviving it right yeah yeah so i watched because i had watched this as a kid like i remember like the creepy i don't opening. really remember much about it it but... went on into like like the original because they did a revival series in 2004 some people love it right yeah. yeah and it's like these like three or four stories each and every week it's like Robert Stack, who's probably best known for he was the pot one of the pilots in um, Airplane, is sort of the host of the show, and it's like we don't know who solved or, or who committed this crime, or we don't know how this story ends, but you might, <laughs> you know, like uh, check in or or, or 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 send us a a letter and let yeah. us know. And so each week, what they do is they um, or each episode they have three or four mini stories. It's kind of like. Um, uh, America's Most Wanted, I guess. Yeah, would the, I, yeah. Would be the, the most... I was actually just going to bring that up. Yeah, and so they have, but it's also deals with like they start getting into like I'm I only watched ten episodes. Are there reenactments? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. But they also the weird thing about these reenactments is that they actually use like the witnesses, the real witnesses, and some of the real. Um, like the like if it's a, a missing kid, like the parents of a missing kid, like they right. actually use them in the reenactments, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and so like each week they'll have three or four stories. A lot of them are crime based or missing persons or lost heirs. Um, the most interesting or, or, or it kind of goes a little bit too outside my like interest zone when it starts talking about like aliens yeah. like you can tell like those but ones are like the, like the like so we just need to fill this with something yeah. but it was kind of interesting because there's an alien piece that they did about abduction or missing time as the segment's called um and i could just i, I knew it as soon as i watched the segment or the segment was finished that uh chris carter who created the x-files yeah. probably saw this and was like inspired i by have it. to write yeah. the x-files um but yeah like some of the, I, I find the most creepy thing about it because i remember being creeped out by the the theme as a kid are just the um are are or the sketches the police sketches right of people that they like they never were able to find or or, or based on i do remember this show yeah. yeah i mean america's most wanted had a similar thing too but yeah i remember always being terrified it's creepy it's creepy sometimes just with the music and like yeah and or when they'd have the updates and it's like we caught them <laughs> yeah that's funny so uh, yeah so i mean that's basically it i mean i'll just quickly say that i uh, also watched uh, Boys in the Hood uh, for John Singleton. Uh, rewatched Field of Dreams on 4K, which looks great. Um, watched, rewatched uh, The Great Silence, which is the uh, Sergio Corbucci movie. The guy who did the original Django, and Tarantino yep. owes this guy quite a bit of credit because yep. there's scenes that are directly ripped from that film. Well, even in, in Hateful Eight, and in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, doesn't isn't DiCaprio's, one of the posters? Yeah. Is, yeah. DiCaprio is in a Corbucci movie, right? Yeah, you would really love this movie with uh, yeah. Klaus Kinski and uh, Jean-Louis uh, Trignot um, from I, Amour. Okay, uh, yeah, let me know afterwards. I'm going to try and find it on iTunes because I just picked up uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, the Sergio Leone movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I actually haven't seen. So I, it was like $5 on iTunes, and I was like, I should probably pick this up. And then I also watched um, Ma. Oh, yeah, how is Ma? Um not great. I appreciated what 
Tate Taylor was trying to do and Octavia Spencer's all in. But it's a weird exploitation movie where everybody's in on it and it doesn't feel necessarily right. like an exploitation film. And when it gets to the kind of more sensational, gruesome moments, it isn't anything I haven't already seen. Like, it felt like Tate Taylor recently just watched Martyrs or High Tension and was like, I gotta make a movie like this and do something that's completely 180. And the most interesting thing about it is that it's such a cheap film. They only had, like, three or four sets to work with. And, you, yeah. and I kind of admire that in a weird so way. So they just kind of rotate through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's very... Like, you can tell, like, it's a quote-unquote you know, um, journeyman director who maybe is more focused on prestige movies, trying to dip his toe into genre. And it's not necessarily condescending, but it just feels like he's a little out of his league and doesn't really bring anything too horrific or humorous. And I feel like it's trying to blend those two. And that's really tough to do, especially for a filmmaker that's never done that before. And, right. and Tate Taylor, obviously having done uh, the James Brown biopic, uh, get on up and help has really never done something like this before. And you can tell. Yeah. It's very interesting that he's doing this. So would you suggest just wait? Maybe I'd say, rent I'd say it? Maybe, yeah. Or a like, Netflix, yeah. you know, watch like it's again, like Octavia Spencer is doing, the best with what she can and she's you know the the best part of the movie and and yeah. i kind of like what it's trying to be but it, it i was thinking oh like or maybe this is going to be kind of like a modern misery or something like that yeah and it just doesn't really go that far i'm leaning towards both bright burn and ma just waiting for them like just because of the mixed reviews and like ah, i just don't have the energy right now like if i miss a movie and it's like first couple weeks now i'm like i just gotta wait a couple more and i can just sit on my couch and watch well this. yeah the window now for oh, theatrical versus vod or streaming is so small that it's like yeah you wait like two weeks and and i'm like i just gotta wait one more month wa waiting for you yeah i just gotta wait one more month but then i never get around to watching them right like i still want to watch a, a lot of horror movies because you know me like i'm I, I like I like horror, but I need to be in one a specific mood, and I hate right. to say this, but like I tend to just watch the quote unquote elevated horror right. movies. Well, that's why and we have to because uh, Scream Factory sent me a copy of Night of the Creeps. Yeah. Oh, which we you've need been to do that you've been wanting review. to watch that for a while. Yeah. yeah, and we need to do it as a review because I think you'll have a lot now of, that my TV's fixed, we can. Uh, you'll it. have a lot of fun with that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that both Brightburn and Ma are movies that you can are perfectly fine, like for. rentals or yeah. streaming or something like yeah. that. Yeah, treat yourself to a you know in home movie. No distractions. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you want to move on to staying at home? Yes, as you hold that horrible copy of Captain Marvel, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Yes, uh, I have a copy of Captain. Uh, no, Eric's making fun because uh, Disney recently. Disney, I love you. Thank you for sending this. Uh, but you gotta. You got to get rid of this French again. You guys were so good. You were so good. You just had that version Francais included sticker on there. And I wonder if this is like a Canadian law thing that they forced them to Probably, because I think HBO is like, doing it now as well. And so HBO they must have the changed same. the rule because they must say you have to have bilingual packaging now. Because right. before it was probably like, hey, we're big enough where we can say, well, we're just going to put a sticker that says, hey, there's a French version on here. If you can't understand what the title is, like, come on. Right. Um. Anyways, I have. But the, can you tell that it's Captain Marvel? I just want to like, make sure. <laughs> The dumbest thing about this is literally it's the exact same title, but it's got an E on Captain. So it's like, what is the point? But um, there should be an E sticker that was just on the the main one where I could have peeled it off and it would have been normal. 
Um, anyways, uh, I have a review copy of Captain Marvel here that I wanted to talk about with you. Um, a movie that we were both we thought were, was okay. Uh, you you guys it can more listen. Than I did, yeah, I you guys think. can go listen to our review. I think we have a review of it. I we do. Uh, yeah, we obviously do. Uh, up on Untitled Movie Reviews, if you guys want to check out our full review. But I did uh, get the Blu-ray. Um, uh, put it on. Um, it's the better version of Dark Phoenix. That is a hundred percent true. Uh, uh, Captain Marvel is solid. I think for me, it's still in that lower tier of, I mean, I, for me, you know, me, I'm obsessed with the MCU that even lower Marvel is still super, super enjoyable. So I really still do enjoy the heck out of Captain Marvel. Um, I'm so glad that they've started to put everything out on 4k. I think this looks great. Yes. Um, which they also announced, um, which is not surprising that they're going to be yeah. releasing all of the MCU movies probably by the, the beginning to mid next year so all of them will be available on a box set gauntlet that'll cost a thousand dollars probably least. i can now i'm a sucker i will get it um but no i think captain marvel looks great i mean it it holds up really really well and i mean uh we are you're getting to a point where with these 4ks it's hard to like when you have them on disc like they, they all look very very nice i think it all depends sometimes of with the hdr and like the um the brightness and sometimes i i notice in these 4k discs and i noticed it in captain marvel too it um i think this is just a marvel problem is the lighting sometimes isn't great in these movies it's televisual um and it's just or they just for some reason don't properly light scenes so like and especially in a 4k disc that the colors pop really well but like it still is a darker, more realistic-looking image, um, and some people might be uh, like I've noticed even in my Black Panther one and uh, Infinity War and some of the more recent Marvel stuff that the 4K discs do feel a little bit dimmer, but they are clearer or more like. Does that make sense? Right. So you're talking um, more of like a, like an actual technical thing than the film themselves. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but I, like, because I was talking more about the movies. No, and I'm also talking about the movies, which doesn't do it. So what I'm saying is that 4Ks in general kind of try to give you a more realistic, like filmic look to, um, like even the I've heard some complaints with the the Fallout uh, 4K, right? Because it's shot on film. Uh, right fallout was shot on film there's a lot of film grain and i remember christopher mccrory coming out and being like guys you know like that's a choice like i wanted it to have the film grain on it still and like that doesn't mean the quality is less than something that doesn't have film grain it's just that like that is the look i was going for right because some people complain that the 4k looked bad because it had film grain and he's just like no that's not doesn't necessarily mean like it's the quality is bad it's yeah just, aesthetically should, uh, yeah. speaking that's what he went with and what he wanted to go so with. he wasn't going to digitally remove all that grain so turn right? off the motion smoothing oh please do that but anyways i think it's a it's a good disc i mean again i if you're Did you have time to go through any of the special features yeah a little bit I, I went through and like i didn't go in and 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 watch all of them but i mean you get i i'm never a huge special features guy i don't know i used to be when i was younger um, now I tend to, uh, eventually go back on like a second or third rewatch of a movie. And I tend to, if I really love it, like put the commentary on, if I'm like doing something else, almost cause we're such podcast guys that, that that's what a commentary kind of feels like. I almost wish I could get commentaries as a podcast feed, if that makes sense. Right. I think, um, you, I think you can, maybe, or maybe there is yeah. some way to do it. Probably, but 
Um, but no, I can list off what they have. Like, well, because the one thing I wanted to talk to you about um, that I that I saw someone maybe it was even just Disney posted it on 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 their website or Twitter or something um, is that there are whole other alternate scenes that were changed. So, like for example, the scene where uh, Brie Larson uh, confronts the motorcycle guy. Like, apparently, there's an alternate version where he actually where he actually um, she grabs him by the hand and like almost breaks his hand. Oh yeah. So I'm thinking like how like how much extra footage do they have and like could they make another whole other film out of it? Like an alternate cut. Of yeah. It too. Yeah, I'd be curious. I'm not a <sighs> deleted scenes are always weird for me. Like I love watching gag reels. But like, it, it was weird because it wasn't um, just a deleted scene. Like it but was like the alternate same scene. takes. It was just an right? alternate take of it. And I was like, oh wow. Like I wonder if you could assemble. You know, and it uh, can completely change the tone of a movie. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, they were they were still going with the whole thing that you know, like, oh, she doesn't smile and all that, and it's obviously sort of specifically um, probing or, or making fun of the, yeah. the the you know the online trolls, trolls and stuff Sexist like that. Trolls, but it went further. Like, it just didn't have him leaving to go in to a store. Like, and she takes the motorcycle. Like, she literally grabs his fist and almost breaks it and throws him. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, this is so different. It's like <laughs> yeah. this totally. That's what I mean. So it kind of completely changes her personality almost, yeah. too, right? But so. in the comic book, she's also like, I was reading a little bit about it and was listening to a, a guy who was talking comic books, and he was saying that, like, Captain Marvel can go pretty far to the right, like, in terms of being very pro military and, like, shoot first ask questions later like apparently there's a storyline maybe you know about it where um she wants to kill the hulk just because like she doesn't want to like find another way to make bruce banner work or like save him from the hulk um she just wants to kill him and like she'll support the military's decisions no matter what they are mm-hmm. yeah like, oh this is yeah but i mean I think each character that we've seen in the MCU can be completely different and uh, in the comics in a good or bad way. Right. Um, so I wouldn't kind of, I don't think we're going to see that part of it, but we could, it could be an interesting take somewhere down the she line. Becomes, uh, like, I don't Danny think Danny from game of Thrones. Yeah. I just Marvel don't Universe. Yeah. I don't think the way that they've even set up her character, she didn't have anything to do with that kind of stuff. But I do hope that um, like, I, I like Brie Larson and, and I'm just hoping she just, becomes more relaxed and comfortable in the role. Like she doesn't Agreed. have to try too hard. That was the only criticism I had with her performance in yeah. both this and Endgame. And to be like, not to include Endgame specifically because that she shot that before Captain Marvel, but it feels it's very like, small. Yeah, and and she's just trying really, really, really hard. She doesn't have to. Yeah, she just. I think she'll loosen up. As yeah. you have you seen? It's the same thing with 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 Thor Chris Hemsworth, like, right? Yeah. Like he he finally found the notes to play with that character and has hammered it out. So I hope that she will too, like even if it is not until her third film, but I hope she finds the, 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 the tone to kind of play that character. I think she will. And like, I mean, yeah, again, I still pretty much enjoy it. I think the second time I watched it, I, it fell a little bit for me. I don't know if it has as much of a rewatchability as some of the other Marvel movies, but um, 
I am excited to see where it goes because again, like even if you look at the first Iron Man and the first Captain America, and like they're solid movies, but those guys really didn't find those characters until like. Well, I'd say Downey did. I think Downey was. Yes, he nailed it from the beginning. Sure, yes, but Um, I would say Evans though. Like, yeah, Evans. Evans kind of like. But Evans weirdly like it's just tried too hard for the whole, for the whole time, thing. Like, and it been... works for that character. Though. Yeah, but like even now he's like almost become Captain America in real life. We're trying to like use the values and morals that that character. Like it's like it's like he can't separate the character from the actor anymore it's like he needs to go through like some sort of like rehab therapy to or he just needs one re- like i mean snowpiercer was a great role for him i yeah. thought because it it was completely different but he was still in the marvel canon at that time which is interesting as well but now like since he is officially done with it um it'll it'll be interesting to see where he goes i know he's going to be in the ryan johnson movie Knives yeah out, i can't so. wait to see something from that like, um well pro- that'll that'll probably be a tiff movie if it is done right yeah i have a feeling i mean with looper opening the festival um a few years ago like i i could see knives out being a a, a, a big premiere at the festival i mean star-studded cast it seems like that type of movie and if he wants to go to a festival toronto makes sense yeah um for kind of a flashy movie like that um but yeah, I don't know. I, I have a feeling it'll be a festival movie. I don't know if it'll be Telluride or or Venice. It doesn't seem like it would be. I think Toronto makes more sense. Right. Um, but I'm excited to see something from it. So, um, but yeah, Captain Marvel. I think it's 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 worth a pickup. I, even if you're a completionist like me that like now wants every Marvel movie in 4K and they all look great. I mean. Uh, again, some lighting issues that makes the image feel a little darker than I would like. You just got to mess around with your settings and find the right uh, kind of look for these movies. And like, I mean, but again, going back to the Toy Story ones, those look amazing or very colorful. But right. when you have some of the live action stuff, you just got to kind of mess around with it a little bit. But um, I definitely would suggest to pick it up if you enjoyed the movie. Well, I'd so. also, I'm also going to be curious to see um, the digital bits just mentioned that it looks like the Iron Man movies will be coming out on Blu-ray or 4K in August along with uh, Endgame. I'd be specifically interested to see both uh, Iron Man and Iron Man 2, with, which were shot by Matthew Libatique, and they were shot on film. Yeah. What they'll look like in comparison with the upgrade to some of the digital stuff. Because I love, you know, what Rachel Morrison did with, with Black Panther um, but it will just be interesting to see that contrast between film and, and digital and, and if it needs much of a touch up in terms of like over brightening. No, you know what? I almost or... sometimes think the film stuff holds up better. Yeah. Like I just feel like, um, a lot of the times when you shoot something natively in 2k or, or, or something like that, it's harder to almost like upconvert it i mean most special effects are done in 2k anyway right now just because like it, it was cheaper to do and it's easier to do yeah um so a lot of the times you're getting these up anyway but sometimes a um a 35 millimeter print can get you really really great quality right but it's all up to the filmmakers too right of like what the look that they want and black panther yes a very uh, but it still suffers a lot of the same problems I'm seeing even in like, again, cinematography is fantastic in Black Panther, but I just find some of these Disney 4k discs just like, I don't know if it's just why they look darker than I want them to. Uh, but then I see something like Toy Story, which is uh, animation, animation, you can't really compare it, but they're very bright and very colorful. And, uh, 
So a lot of the times I think it's the lighting, but um, even the outdoor scenes in Black Panther when they're on the waterfall and stuff like that, I'm like, this just feels a little like dimmer than I want. Right. Um, so I, it's just I think I have to mess around with some settings and kind of find out what the best stuff for my TV for live action 4K stuff. But it, it depends from company to company and movie to movie, right? Like you can have optimal settings, but yeah, I'm sure there's depends. a tutorial like, online. Well, I have could, done all of yeah. that. I've optimized my TV for sure. But, but anyways, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, solid pickup. I would say like, if you're an MCU fan, I don't see why you wouldn't want to. The only thing I guess I would say, cause you brought it up earlier is like, you might want to wait like or unless you want to like, do both singles and the box, if right? You're a some people fan, do, right? right? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, if you're planning on maybe wanting to get all of the movies in 4K, I don't. It would be pretty ambitious of them to release a giant box set because I don't know how many people. I mean, I think there will be. We saw how much money Endgame made, but like people who would want to shell out over five hundred dollars for, <laughs> we'll give you a, three, a free copy of Dark Phoenix <laughs> along with it. <laughs> pay people not to take i'll pay you disney for to not give me that so anyways that's for me i think you had a couple things you want yeah so my 4k cutie of the uh of the week is uh the fast and furious uh 4k box set i know you just went through uh these movies because the kind of funny guys did reviews yeah, on them i, I went um, through them earlier this year not only some of them were in 4k which is weird yeah but, but now they're all in 4k yeah. so uh the one specifically that wasn't in 4k that i would recommend that you can also get individually uh starting uh tomorrow because we're recording this on a monday night is fast five um and yes i mean obviously the 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 box set is coming out right before fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw because we want you to remember (laughs) this is a fast and furious movie or part of the fast and furious franchise and with john cena officially joining the cast oh yeah we didn't have that um, in the news but with his wonderful hair uh so yeah, I, I I would be curious to go back and and look at Fast Five specifically because I think that movie that movie fucking is rules, where man. it really turns and and I have like I don't watch the, those like they're fun to watch and I'm sure they are easily rewatchable but there's something about them as well that it's like I just kind of enjoy them in the theater and then I just want to leave them for a while totally understand that too like I had a good time going through that you just did it though recently didn't you yeah like, I did like... it like. A year or two ago? Maybe it was around Fast 7 or Furious 7 or The Fate and the Furious. You went back and... I think it was Fate and the Furious. Yeah. Because you went back and rewatched the original. Yeah, so I don't I don't need to do it now, but I might rewatch Fast 5 just to... Get jacked you know, re- up. To remember better times when Vin Diesel and The Rock were on good terms. And now he's replaced The Rock with John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I hope we get one final movie where The Rock and John Cena face off. Or John Cena joins Hobbs and Shaw and jumps ship, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would be good. It's some good shit. Um, and then you wanted to mention the Mustang. As yeah, well, yeah. Right? Matthias Schoenhartz gives an amazing performance. The movie opened uh, earlier uh, this year. Uh, it was a Sundance film. A lot of people didn't really go and see it, which isn't that surprising. But if you give it a chance, you'll be moved by an amazing performance from him, who I believe was also in... Uh, Terrence Malick's new movie that's coming up uh, um, later on this the year. Hidden so, Life, right? Yeah. Hidden Life? A, a Hidden Life? A Hidden Life? A Hidden Life. I believe that's what it's called, yes. He's already working on his next movie, too. The Last Planet, which is about Jesus. Yes. The Last Planet about yeah. Jesus. God bless Terry. Uh, T-Mal. 
the only I had a couple things that I wanted to mention on digital uh, on iTunes. Uh, big news coming out of Apple too. They're getting rid of iTunes and splitting up all of their services into uh, a couple different uh, services. So they'll have a separate podcast app, a separate Apple TV app, and a separate separate music app now. Uh, but for right now, you can get Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Saving Private Ryan, and Old Man and the Gun are my three suggestions. All in 4K, all only $10 each. Uh, so I think those are three excellent pickups for $10 in 4K um, for each one. All right, Eric, you want to go into talking trailers? Yeah. We are an trailers. hour and 50 minutes into this show. Well, that's what you get and, when we're off for two weeks. Yeah, and we um, aren't even halfway through what we wanted to talk about. So we might have to kind of qu- – actually, we cut down the news quite a bit, and we should be good. We won't go – We've actually been talking about news as we've been going on. Yeah, and we won't go into s- huge detail in all of these trailers, but let's uh, let's talk in some trailers. Uh, the first trailer I want to talk about, Ad Astra. So uh, a movie we kind of made fun of for a little while because it was supposed uh, to come out in May last month. Yeah, yeah, and it kept it had a May release date until like the second week of May, <laughs> and then Disney <laughs> Disney finally decided to push it to September, October, September, September, late September, September yeah. right? Um, so I smell Tiff. I do smell Tiff as well. They love themselves a, a sci-fi movie with a big star. And James um, Gray also having that retrospective earlier this but year. But he sometimes goes to New York, though. Well, like, New York and Venice. Yeah. Well, a lot of people thought that it might play at Cannes if it was done in time because he had a little Odessa play at Cannes. Yeah. So, so um, I have a feeling it could skip Tiff and do Venice in New York. But it all really depends. Like, I mean, we say that, but that can change year to year. But right. like, when a filmmaker has a good relationship with a specific festival that they like to premiere their stuff at, like, I mean, that's where. Uh, oh, Telluride but, as well. It but, might play Telluride. I think, but it, he usually skips TIFF though, doesn't he? Like the immigrant, the, the immigrant didn't play. Did, yeah. Lost City of Z played New York, uh, or Zed, however you want to say it. Um, Zed. Yeah. Uh, what? before that um uh, those are his last two yeah right? we own the night didn't play the festival circuit anyways his last two went to new york and not right. and not tiff but i do have this feeling that if any of his movies will play tiff it would be this because of that retrospective like it felt like they almost did the retrospective just to like hey you've got oh a that's movie true yeah out, they right? did they did yeah yeah so back in it was only in january and he came down for that he did. right oh, okay yeah. you're making good points here okay yeah you won me over I know. I, f- I think it probably. I do that play. all the time. Anyways, what did you think of the trailer? Um, I think that the trailer looks commercially viable for a wide audience, but I also think within that trailer, there are some uh, specific tributes and homages to uh, Apocalypse Now. Specifically, when you see the photos of Tommy Lee Jones and them asking Pitt to go on this mission to track him down like you're just waiting for a line to come out being like and you need to kill him with extreme prejudice yeah yeah uh the same way like uh with colonel kurtz right um and and he's obviously said that the two big inspirations for this is 2001 and apocalypse now but the trailer but the trailer looks the trailer more broad yeah and that's what i mean like it's accessible for like anybody that saw you know gravity or not that gravity is an accessible movie either but like just like you know brad pitt in space that's the movie that And they make him almost selling. into like an action hero kind but of you thing. Know from, but we know from <laughs> seeing James Gray's stuff that yeah. that's not going to be – the trailer that we're seeing isn't it's going not to be the going film. To be the movie, yeah. It's going to probably be a lot weirder. Slower. A lot slower. A lot more methodical and sort of dealing with 
emotions, specifically father-son sort of subtext throughout the entire thing. Yeah. And it's got a good cast. I mean, on top of Brad Pitt, you have uh, Donald Sutherland, Ruth Nega, um, Jamie Kennedy. Uh, I mentioned Tommy Lee Jones, John Ortiz. Yeah. So, God, Jamie Kennedy. You can really tell that Disney's taken over the marketing in some of these movies, I right. feel like, too. And they're very smart. And um, Well, it's, it's, like, it's the same thing, though, with The Tree of Life. Like, I remember with The Tree of Life, like, a big part of the marketing then for Fox Searchlight was, yeah, Brad Pitt is in this movie. But then when it came out and people started to see The Tree of Life and didn't know that it was a Terrence Malick film or were unfamiliar with his work, people were complaining and wanting their money back. So you had theaters actually posting like signs that said... You know, yes, Brad Pitt is in this movie, but it's an art film. Yeah. I remember when that happened. They're like, yes, there's like a weird documentary segment or like uh, not a documentary segment. But yeah. I so remember. I have a feeling this could be a, a similar situation where it's like, you know, somebody sees that trailer uh, attached to Dark Phoenix. If you're one of the five people that saw Dark Phoenix um, and sees Brad Pitt in the space and you're like. And he's yeah, like, I want to see Brad Pitt. And in he's space. shooting a space gun, and yeah. there's like, and it looks action packed and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll be if it does play TIFF or a festival. The audience like, score is going to be like D. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that maybe if they get ahead of that with some festival stuff, then maybe people. But I mean, it's still a very small amount of people that will go and read those reviews right. beforehand. And, and I do understand why Disney and Fox are marketing it that way, not only because it has Brad Pitt in it, but they probably spent a lot of money on that film. Yeah, uh, it's probably his uh, James Gray's biggest budgeted movie to date. So yeah. I can understand. Maybe so is wanting... it Fox or Searchlight? It's Fox, right? It's Searchlight Fox has Lucy in the Sky, which we saw a trailer, but now has been removed from. Oh, it's been removed. I thought it doesn't have. It doesn't have a release date. That's what I meant. Sorry, yeah. but from their it, schedule when yeah. they put out so, their schedule. So Lucy in the Sky and In Fabric, which also released a trailer recently, yeah. have. The, 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 there's there's stuff out there, but they don't have North American release dates yet. Now, Lucy in the Sky is probably going to be a fall film. In Fabric will probably be October. Yeah, which is which is really lo- a long time because I know it's opening in Europe before. I think it does have a release date in in England. I think A twenty four would be smart to put that out. I just, just hope they don't treat In Fabric the way that they did Under the Silver Lake. I don't. Mm, it's going to be hard sell. I, that well, movie. Yeah, but, like, but a lot of A24 yeah. stuff is hard. But people, I think you sell. know what you're going getting into. Like they don't have to do the thing like they did with um, uh, Hereditary or even um, It Comes at Night. It Comes at Night where they're kind of marketing a... Or Under uh, the Skin. A, yeah, like a movie that... I mean, those had bad cinema scores for the same reason, right? Like because they're marketing them as these scare fests when they're a little bit more than that high bro um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right yeah ad astro looks i mean the trailer looks great but i again i'm with you that i don't think that's the movie we're going I don't, to yeah get, i don't think it like, represents what it actually is yeah uh ford versus ferrari or ford v ferrari yeah and it's um, called uh layman in uh in europe yeah that makes sense um, um they're more familiar with that race than right than than we are um uh, directed by James Mangold, starring uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale, uh, about and uh, uh, oh yeah, your uh, dad Tracy Tracy, Tracy Letts. Letts. Yeah, yeah. Eric keeps saying that Tracy Letts is my dad. He kind of is. Or he well, plays in Lady Bird. Like, in Lady Bird, he is my dad. Um, Lady Bird is just my family, right? Um, to a T. Um, and I'm the weird emo kid. That's the brother. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think this looks fantastic, man. Like I, again, another movie that will probably 
play tiff i mean we'll say this about every fall festival movie but um i think this looks this looks great um, it, it, it's gonna be one of those movies that i hope plays either in the Scotiabank IMAX theater 100%. or in Cinesphere yeah. because the sound and the picture just from the trailer it looks like it is one of those movies you need to see on the biggest screen possible and i remember even watching rush when we saw the the preview of rush right, right. like i think that uh, even seeing it at the varsity in a smaller screen but you can really tell now with is this also fox yeah um sorry please <coughs> ah! oh, i'm sure people listening loved that um, oh yeah didn't mute my mic at all. Let's look. Oh, look at that spike on the nice audio there. Because um, I'm t- I'm noticing in these uh, these Fox now Disney Fox trailers that they're all doing that thing where they're they're playing in large format theaters where a lot of these movies I don't think would have maybe before. Right. Well, it's because they have the money that, to, to that spend, Disney right? that Disney money now. I mean, even Disney the trailer club. having "Give Me Shelter" from the Rolling Stones, which is a song that should have a moratorium on it at this point because Scorsese's used it throughout his career. Uh, they used it in in flight recently. Yeah. But that song is expensive. And just to use it in a trailer uh, goes to say something. Uh, you yeah. might want to just take a look at the bars there. That's fine. It's okay. going to – I think we um... – we're going to be recording over some other crap that we did last week because I forgot to delete it. Remember where we had to take a break and I put the previews of coming? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they got that Disney, uh, that Disney, not money, but Disney stronghold now where they can kind of put themselves into things like uh, the bigger theaters and, and stuff like that. For or these. even just buying and, stuff. I mean, look and this what is, happened with the yeah. Hidden Life, right? With oh, Buck yeah. Searchlight picking it up for Searchlight's going to be a beast in the in the indie space again i think because but it's gonna hurt a lot of the other smaller distributors at the same time because i was listening and and reading uh indie wire and they were talking about like how that drives up the price drives up the price of every other movie yeah. and the the a24s and the neons and the magnolias and sony pictures classics can't afford 14 million dollars for one but movie. but i th- we were talking about this i think off air a couple weeks ago or whatever and i'm like yeah but i think places need to realize like if disney doesn't if fox or disney or searchlight doesn't want you then like you gotta realize that like there's a disney price now and then there's like an everyone else right. price like you just see like, lars von trier being like god i hope my next movie is picked up by because like searchlight's gonna be able to stronghold themselves in there right like yeah. because any indie movie that they want as long as the person selling the film is open to it which who doesn't want a pile of money but like well it, it, it they they paid more for it than the entire uh box office run of the tree of life which, which is was bizarre. like, like disney knows million. that they're probably going to take a loss on that movie right yeah. but they pick it up mainly like i mean they might break even eventually or something like that but, but they I mean, need an awards movie exactly as well for search like this year um, and that's why i think that stuff still helps them in the long run right even well, it's though prestige it, right yeah even if it loses money they still want to be an awards player with searchlight now because they haven't had that in a while unless yeah. one of their animated movies broke out or birdman um, i think was the last but i'm even talking win. disney in general well right? i was talking like, fox searchlight yeah um, um, because this year, like Searchlight has um, Jojo Rabbit, which I'm very curious to see how that's. I don't think go. that'll be an awards player. But you never know. It, yeah, you, you never, never know. know, right? I mean, it is. I hope it is so, a World but... War II movie. So. Yeah, fair. Uh, but I do see the Disney influence in the marketing teams now. I think already, right? Like, I think both from Ad Astra and Ford v Ferrari. I think Disney has the trailer and marketing game down pat. 
Right. And I think like uh, you can just tell that it's not saying that Fox had bad marketing before, but I just already can tell the influence. And and they also with Ford and Ferrari and Ad Astra have the movie stars in the forefront. Like they have, it's like Christian Bale, Matt Damon, Christian Bale, Matt Damon, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. Like, yeah, it's of like course. These movie stars are in these, you know, big either awards films or, you know, indie movies with budgets of, you know, 20 to 40 million dollars a thousand percent uh, i mean another disney owned movie uh we'll move on to onward uh so this movie will be attached to toy story 4 they dropped it during a game of the nba uh playoffs uh last week or two weeks ago um i i, I don't know what to feel about this because i mean you know my thoughts on fantasy <laughs> fantasy films right and, uh, fantasy characters uh uh so basically um you're not we, feeling elfish no we were talking about this uh, before we started recording and it, it, imagine like if it was like the flintstones but with like fantasy characters so like elves and dragons and and things like that yeah and how um, sort of the modern suburbs has been integrated with fantasy uh, medieval-esque storylines yeah. and, and aesthetics. So imagine, like, if instead of our past, like, say, like, Lord of the Rings and things like that were our was our past and they evolved into having tech and living in the suburbs and building cities and things like that. So if dragons always existed or unicorns and shit like that. So, um seems cute and like i think i liked the trailer more on a second watch when i wasn't like anticipating it because i knew it was coming up in the nba playoffs and i was another weird thing i told you and our friend anna about that during the nba playoffs they were showing full trailers for movies that were slightly different than the ones we see in theaters oh or yeah online. terminator, Dark terminator and once upon a time in hollywood both had like a couple different shots in the tv versions of the trailers that's than- how you can say they're different I, I just don't get it. But anyways, Onward didn't really do much for me. Um, I'm over Chris Pratt. I love the guy. I used to love him in um, but now Parks and Rec. Now he's and a I'm part like, of a right-wing family. Yeah, and like oversaturated. And like I I just – Chris Pratt. Tom I lo- Holland and Julie Louis-Dreyfus are also uh, voices, right? Yes, and I love them. Um, and Chris Pratt used to love him. I think he works in ensembles we've talked about this a lot i just feel like or maybe voices because i still voices like him he might Lego be okay movies. yeah i agree but like again he's like uh, why need chris pratt again as a lead character i know tom holland's probably like the lead in this but it seems like it's a brother adventure kind yeah, of thing it's but... guardians man i think i mean as much as i like guardians i mean it's also to blame probably for his stardom Oh, totally, a hundred percent. You kind of have the same feelings. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but it kind of looked to me like if, if I didn't see the the uh, Pixar Disney logo before, I would have thought it was a DreamWorks film. It looks like a DreamWorks movie. It doesn't necessarily yeah. look like a Pixar film, which like, isn't necessarily a shot. At no, DreamWorks. no, it just like I think dreamworks is focused more on the fantasy stuff than pixar has in the past like it feels like pixar even though there are fantastical elements and uh, you know unreal adventures but it still feels like they're like it's still set within somewhat of a real world even if it's inside you know the mind of a girl or in in a french um kitchen with rats like there's still like an element of like these things like these things exist like there there are such things as toys there are such things as you know feelings and emotions and stuff like that where it's like this is like really like maybe monsters inc is the one thing where it's like the closest comparison in terms of their uh work so far um 
but yeah, like watching it, like I felt like I was I was watching like you know a, a, a mid tier uh, DreamWorks movie. Yeah, I I'm holding out hope because I do really think that Pixar is excellent, and and even their lower tier stuff is still pretty good yeah and this is from um, the director who did monsters university as well so which is one is of the really forgettable yeah not a bad movie but very forgettable yeah um, um I, I mean i did like the uh the music cue to the cars is magic yeah um but i just like that song so fair yeah yeah we'll see uh all right now we'll go kind of like a speed round through uh some of these other ones uh the kitchen oh, what did you say speaking think? of speed turns yeah. 25 oh yeah keanu. keanu man he's everywhere uh the kitchen uh, Diet Widows, yeah. kind of like it. I was surprised. I and it's based on a graphic novel, right? It looks like it because it had the DC Vertigo yeah. logo, right? And then I had no idea. And it does feel like Diet Widows. And I wasn't expecting uh, a drama. I just saw oh a new trailer with Tiffany Haddish and Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy, and, and I was like, Moss. I was like, oh, it must just be like another you know goofy. I thought it was going to be like a something silly, right? And it definitely is not. Um, uh, which I, I think that's also going to be something that kind of takes people by surprise when they when they buy a ticket to it that don't necessarily, you know, read up on reviews or, or they just watch the trailer. Yeah. They just see Tiffany Haddish and Melissa McCarthy's names and like, oh, it's a it's a comedy about the kitchen. Like, who knows? Like, and then when you see the trailer, yeah, like it looks like kind of the same exact plot as as widows except it takes place in the 70s right, right? So. In, in the irish mob right yeah, yeah. It, i mean i'm i'm intrigued i'll definitely check it out yeah. it's august right yeah i believe yeah. so which sometimes can be questionable when they're releasing a movie such as that in the later part of the summer yeah um i kind of do feel bad for it because i feel like that if they would release it in maybe late september early october it could have been a good thought the exact same thing you exactly you premiere it it seemed like that right when i watched that trailer i'm like this looks like a monday night premiere at it's a gala film yeah like and i'm and then when it's popped up with august i was like oh well elevation pictures just announced that they'll be releasing in canada uh the roland emmerich movie midway oh yeah with woody harrelson and as soon as i saw the poster and that they have it it's coming out in november it's like that's a gala (laughs) movie because they've had they had uh roland emmerich's um anonymous and i'm just like that's a gala movie, 100% guaranteed. Yeah. I put money on that. I know we're talking a lot. We're getting to TIFF territory because they're going to do their first announcements next month. Yeah. Holy crap, right? Um, but uh, another movie that could show up at Midnight Madness uh, down that old town road is uh, Rambo Last Blood. Uh, first movie trailer to use Little Nos Little X's Old Town Road. Um which I laughed my ass off when that song started playing in this trailer. Uh, I mean, I'm all in. I they drew uh, first blood, yeah. but he's drawing last. I mean, I'm I'm in. I loved the incredibly gory, over the top Rambo movie. That he came, killed like, all of Burma. Yeah, he literally <laughs> killed everyone. And uh, I think this should be this might be fun to do what we did with uh, Rocky and just go through the Rambo movies. Yeah, they're all like, on 4K too. Um, which I haven't. Great. I don't think I've even maybe seen the original. The the first one. one is the best because like that came out at a time where it was like supposed to be a character study about Vietnam and then it kind of halfway through becomes an action film and then it just kept like with the sequels just kept on going and getting it turned more into ridiculous an action movie. Yeah. and then with with uh with the final one where with, with four Rambo it just yeah like it literally just it's embraced so the goriness <laughs> so 
It's ridiculous. The only thing I was a little bit nervous about watching the trailer. I'm excited for it too because I like the Rambo movies. Um, but it it does look kind of xenophobic. Oh, a to say percent. to say the yeah. the least, especially because he's killing all these Mexicans. Yeah, and yeah. There you can say, well, they're a part of the cartel, but it's like, well, can't you pick like another Something enemy else. that's not yeah. so like sensitive right now like in right. terms of like uh you know border issues and stuff like that um but in terms of like stallone who's now in his what 70s yeah still like looking like he's gonna kill everybody <laughs> so hey siri ridiculous. how old is sylvester stallone sylvester stallone is 72 Jeez. 72 um looks every minute of his age but yeah, he's still like, going yeah i i'm i'm excited it could play midnight madness that would be a fun movie like yeah like you mentioned it might open or something because yeah I think like it the comes way that out the predator the, did right i think it's the week just like the predator i think it comes out the week of tiff yeah like uh right after so. and that would be a fun movie to watch with a, a packed audience oh, at the thousand, thousand percent uh next up don't have much to say, but the Goldfinch trailer dropped. Uh, love Roger Deakins cinematography. It's funny. Um, that's the first thing you say about it. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to talk about that. It's a literary adaptation. No. I'm going to talk about the cast. Ansel Elgort. <laughs> Roger Deakins is the star. Well, I mean, I love Roger Deakins. And oh, like, who doesn't? You, you can gentleman. even tell in the trailer. I'm like, ooh, yeah, give me that Deak. Um, <laughs> that major Deak. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Oh, something's happening with the Raptors game. We're recording as the Raptors could potentially win the NBA championship. So we just are hearing screams, um, which, God, I can't uh, leave it to us during the biggest sports night in Canadian or Toronto history um, to record a podcast, (laughs) recording a podcast that's going on for two hours and 10 minutes. Um, What was I talking about? Goldfinch. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it it could go either way where it could be a little bit too melodramatic or it, uh, it could end up being decent. Yeah. And again, like this could be a movie that plays Tiff that it's going to be one of those movies that opens during Tiff as well. Um, And yeah, so like it's, it's one of those, I, I want to like it. I just don't like it. It opens Elgort. the week of TIFF. Yeah. Like, but there's yeah. always movies like that that, that play yeah. at the festival, like The Town or Easy A. Or remember you saw Black Mass. At like the, the day uh, it opened. Yeah, but whatever. you saw it all by yourself basically at <laughs> yeah. the, was it Princes of Wales? Yeah. 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 Um, th- those are always weird when you, yeah. you're paying more money to go see it at TIFF when you could go to Young and Dundas. To but go I've see come it. to realize now as well that if you can see the movie during the festival and you have like that time to see it, it might even be better because then you don't have to because after tiff you're always kind of burnt out for a little while and you need time to recoup before going to see movies again that always happens with oh us, with, right yeah i take a month so, off usually you know seeing it if if you see it like the uh the day it opens and it's playing at a festival screening or like a night screening and it just works for you that's fine like I've, yeah i've kind of be more lenient on that kind of thing it's, i get well with us who have the privilege of having like a badge where we can go see as much as we want and stuff like that. I totally get why you or I would be like, well, I'm going to go see this movie anyway. Like, yeah, I don't really care that it comes out in four days. I just want to see if you're, it. But so, if you're doing a, a ticket pack, then that's you might want to save. Yeah, I totally 100%. get that. If you're only doing 10, 20 movies or, or less, like I totally get why you, yeah, cause you can just go that. catch that anytime. Like there's some stuff that you might not ever be able to see other than at the festival. Yeah. A hundred percent. Terminator dark fate trailer did nothing for me i have no idea why this is i like mackenzie davis i don't know why they keep trying why yeah this is not a franchise this was never meant to be a franchise i'm sorry and just because james can't like this should have been called 
Terminator James Cameron returns as producer, not yeah. Dark Fate. Like Dark Fate even sounds Stupid. like a bad title. Like this is a movie that they should go back and reshoot it the way that they're uh, re-editing Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, um, yeah, I just it does nothing. Like I like that they're. I mean, the only question I really have back. is like, what happened to John Connor? And I'm sure that'll be explained in the first. 15 minutes of exposition with Linda Hamilton's character returning Sarah Connor. Like, saying is like, this oh, his daughter now that they're trying to protect? Yeah, or, or like that, that he died like... and he was never really, like, it. we just need one. Like, it's not specifically one person. It just has to be someone. Yeah. Someone gets the title of being the, savior, the leader. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I just, they've tried so many times and it, nothing has worked since T2. Yeah. Like, I just, I'm looking forward to those EPK kit videos of James Cameron <laughs> in a Hawaiian shirt being like, this, this is the one, guys. This is the one that I've been waiting for. I, I, I know gonna, I said it, don't. I was going to direct it, but I knew that Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool, was going to make it work. And as soon as they wrote me that check for $2 billion, I was like, you got this, Tim. <laughs> God, it's so stupid. But you know what's interesting? We talked earlier about that theatrical window getting smaller and smaller. The one movie that still isn't out on Blu-ray until July is Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. Which was released back in February. That's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Great movie. Or good movie. It's better than um, you'd expect. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I toned it down a little yeah. bit. I mean, Although good. I would I, I still fun. will say this. I'll probably I would rather see two more sequels of Alita Battle Angel than five Avatar movies. A hundred percent. Let's go into the the Nightingale. We finally got a trailer. Jennifer Kent's uh, follow, follow up, up to, to the, the Babadook. Bab- yep. Which you haven't uh, seen yet. I right? haven't. It's ho- it's it's taunting me on Netflix over and over again. But again, it's hor- Pride Month, man. Hor- you gotta yeah, watch it. Yeah, I know. Big old gay Babadook. <laughs> um, I yeah, I've been meaning to. It's just horror movies. I gotta be in a specific mood and like. I don't get scared easy, but then I work myself up thinking I'm going to be spooked and I don't want to watch it. And then I'm never usually scared when I watch horror movies. But, like, I think I'll be scared, which is, like, the anticipation of being scared scares me. Right. Um, so I, I haven't watched Babadook yet. Now, but. even though The Nightingale is not a horror movie, it still it looks, looks like it has horrifying <laughs> moments dealing with colonialism and specifically... It almost has, like, a... Um, a true grit storyline where this young girl goes to avenge her family being killed by uh, rogue uh, British and, and Australian soldiers. And through the process, she works with a young Aborigine boy to locate them and, and get her revenge. And everything I've heard from it played at Venice last year and then Sundance is that it is brutal, unflinching. It's shot in four by three and um, it's worth getting through, but it's also extremely long. So like it's nearly three hours um, and it's opening in August. It's three hours. It's two hours. I'm going to look this up, but it I'm, I'm, I want to see it. I'm, oh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited I'm, for it. Yeah. It's supposed to be brutally violent, right? Yeah. Like it, like I was talking to somebody that saw it. And they were saying, um, there's nothing that can prepare you for how extreme it gets. And I was like, um, so you're going to say it's the, the family when's, film. When's the release? Uh, it opens in August. Okay, so it's not as long as I thought it was. Maybe they cut, Maybe she cut it down from the uh, uh, the Venice screening, but it's now two hours and 16 minutes. Oh, okay, that's and manageable. And it opens in uh, the U S uh, on August 2nd and it's being re- distributed by IFC. Okay, cool. And IFC also handled, uh, the Babadook. 
Um, and then finally, our last trailer in this monster week and podcast, or I guess month, um, there was the final trailer to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which dropped around the same time as it screened at Cannes. Yeah. I uh, got pretty good reactions at a Cannes. Um, and uh, I dug this new trailer, and I uh, we're so close to it that I. But it doesn't kinda... give away any plot. Like that's yeah. the one thing that, that we should maybe mention about the Cannes Film Festival is that both Bong Joon Ho and Quentin Tarantino, um, before their screenings of their respected movies, uh, released statements to uh, film critics and the online community that were at the Cannes Film Festival to please not ruin the spoilers. And from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new trailer, it still doesn't give anything away although there has been um talk that the last 20 minutes of once upon a time in hollywood is uh gonzo like yeah. it is completely extreme so um not that i'm surprised with that but just it's interesting that tarantino is being more um guarded guarded because usually like he's very open to people like i remember when the inglorious Bastards script leaked he was like yeah read it read it like it's gonna be even better as a movie like he was kind of but then he got pissed with the hateful eight stuff yeah yeah um all right that wraps up uh talking trailers uh we will finally now Two hours and 17 minutes into the podcast, get into the news. Uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this stuff. We kind of whittled this down to the things that we really wanted to talk about. But uh, first off, uh, the weekend box office. So we're recording this on Monday. Um, this somewhat of a surprise um, is that Dark Phoenix made $35 million this weekend, which is the lowest ever opening weekend for an X-Men movie. And now it looks like it might its total gross might be less than some opening weekends of the X Men franchise. Oof. Uh, so uh, again, you guys can go check out our review it of Dark Phoenix. It failed to ignite at the box office. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good, and it's a franchise that unfortunately went on a little bit too long. It's a conversation we kind of had when it came to Game of Thrones and and some television shows of like you kind of try to go on a little bit too long when you should have ended it three seasons ago right um so i think that happened with this x-men franchise because a lot of the people are still involved with it i mean it is missing wolverine which is a big part but i mean some of these other movies only had him in a cameo so you, i don't think that's right. really I mean, they even put him in apocalypse like they that's were able I mean. to wedge him in there and it was kind of weird how they left how they left him hanging in days of future past in this in the 70s mm-hmm any other thoughts on that? Just like uh, unfortunate that it's this just franchise, yeah, it's just like... unfortunate that like it started so strong with both First Class and Days of Future Past that to end on two movies that were a waste of time for most of these people involved. Yes, it gave them a paycheck, and I'm sure they're grateful for the work. Uh, it just it seemed really unfortunate that um, you know. It didn't end on Days of Future Past for the ensemble, and then the epilogue should have been Logan. Um, yeah, 100%. And that would have been a strong way to finish it out. And now it makes the future of New Mutants even more questionable because it's like, do they just decide to dump this on Hulu or Disney Plus because of how badly that... I think they were already it? thinking about that, and now with this doing so horribly... Yeah, because now like, it doesn't It doesn't even matter. Like, if Dark Phoenix had made money, they might have been like, okay, well, we'll, we'll just capitalize on Dark Phoenix doing so well. And now with Dark phoenix doing horribly and that being the end 
basically of that continuity, um, New Mutants is kind of left uh, to hang to dry. So, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, will what... Disney want to put the money in to reshoots? Yeah, because yeah, they still haven't done those reshoots. Like, yeah. New Mutants could do even worse than yeah. Dark Phoenix opening weekend. And New right? Mutants will also be confusing because continuity-wise, like, is it still in that universe? And does that mean, like, like it just ends there now? Is, like, that's going to be the end of the X-Men universe? of Or the, the, X-Men, the X-Men Fox universe that we know? Like, it's so weird. And, and rumors have been, like, part of the reshoots were to include Antonio Banderas as a villain for future New Mutants movies. That's not going to happen. No. So, uh, who knows? Um Next story, uh, Bo Burnham is now attached to the Sesame Street movie, but he is only going to be producing uh, songs for the film, uh, which is interesting. I love Bo Burnham. Um, I originally thought he was going to direct it when I first saw this news. I think you were on the same page as me. But he wants Um, that Brett McKenzie Oscar, right? Go for it, man. I think he'll do a good job with this stuff. It's interesting seeing where he came from uh, and like his, his... have you you've watched his live her his Netflix, I've seen specials, his Netflix and stuff. And special and like, yeah I mean he does he's not very family friendly but it's interesting that now he's doing Sesame Street but he's clever enough where I could see how his style would work really well in like a in an irreverent kind of way in the Sesame Street things much like whether it's Lego movie or the Muppets and stuff like that with Brett McKenzie as well on on uh, he helped with the Muppet movie too right or he was Brett McKenzie? Yeah. No, Brett yeah, McKenzie yeah. did the, yeah, all the yeah, music, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, I can totally see that, right? So uh, I think it'll. It, I think it's a, a good choice and shout out for him, you know? Right. It is interesting as well to see, like, will this work in a post-Lego Muppets world? Or, like, are studios just going to keep buying up old franchises of kids tv shows or memorabilia or or toys and keep working like where where is that line going to be drawn like what 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 is the film that they're going to make that is the the dark phoenix of of that universe like i'm trying to think like what would be like the most obscure thing that they put money into to make like you know a, a a revival of like of a kids show like where do they go yeah i don't know i i mean like, I, like mr dress up for canada but that's canada specifically right. like pokeroo poker yeah <laughs> big comfy couch yeah something like that uh but those are were those all canadian shows? i think they were i think my comfy couch was maybe international right uh, let us know if we have any American listeners. Do you guys – did you have a big comfy couch? Yeah, like that'll be the um, the big comfy couch movie. <laughs> um, yeah, good for Bo Burnham. Love that guy. Um, he's also doing – he's signed on to direct something new. And he's in a, a thriller too? I yeah, think, he's in too? a movie like, with uh, Carrie Mulligan yeah. uh, that's shooting over at Fox – no, Focus Features. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got our first image from Loki, the TV series and a logo, uh, Kevin Feige at an investors meeting, I think. Um, uh, sorry, it was a concept art, I think not an actual photo from the set, but they showed the Loki logo. He talked about the series a little bit more and the, the concept art we saw was Loki in the 1970s walking through what looks to be New York possibly, or maybe somewhere in the UK. Um, there's a Jaws marquee behind him and you see some older cars and stuff like that. Um, I'm curious of what this will be, right? Cause like 
we know a lot of the bigger moments in the MCU just throughout the the films and things like that. So, um, I mean, being the god of mischief and things like that, like I'm curious of how they'll utilize Loki in in what we think will be a time not a time travel, but it will jump through time. Because, It'll be um, his quantum leap. Yeah, kind of thing of like <laughs> he'll be in a different era each episode or something and how he fucked with events that caused big Or helped things. people. Yeah, even. or even helped people to kind of make him a little bit more sympathetic. Um, uh, I wonder who will be as Dean Stockwell. Do you like the idea of that? Do you have any it's, interest well, in this? Well, remind I'm me, like, like I said, quantum yeah. leap where Scott Bakula each and every week would <laughs> time travel or jump into another person's body and have to solve the problem or the issue that they were going through and then that was the only way to jump to the next person right and then you'd have dean stockwell who would come in dean stockwell probably you best know from uh, blue velvet he's the guy that uh dennis hopper's frank comes to visit and he sings uh in dreams on the uh the lamplight yeah um so he would come in with like his little gadget and be like oh you got to do this now in five minutes so that would be kind of interesting and and i think what's also worth noting is that i don't know if it was in this article or if it was in another one or if they've just mentioned it in general is that these spin-off shows will still be important to the mcu the mcu movie universe there'll be continuity connecting the series to the films so that's also going to get people to buy disney plus and subscribe well, it's very to it. smart yeah don't get me wrong yeah because and... i mean at least with like the marvel knight stuff like you didn't have to watch that to understand anything where i feel with these like you probably don't have to but if you do you'll maybe get more out of it in in the way that like agents of shield never did right or any of the netflix shows like you mentioned yeah um yeah i'm looking forward to this i i'm i'm really fascinated by uh disney plus and like i really am excited to kind of see what that service is like in november if we do get it in november um there's conflicting reports on when it will come to canada but if i have to wait for the mandalorian i'm just gonna but it'll be curious to see what they do then if if it doesn't open in canada or other markets do we just have to wait for it then you're like like i you're gonna get a lot of piracy stuff because i think that's when you force people's hand when it's like readily available somewhere else right and like you don't have it available to pay for or if i get screeners for it right like i mean you might because of your um bfca or b bf uh, btca is that what it is i think so uh (laughs) Um, your television side of the uh, BFCA stuff is like you might get screeners for it, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, and then I can steal them from you. Right. Uh, but we'll see. But it'll be like five episodes. Yeah. Like they don't oh, give you the right. They don't thing, give you the right? full thing. That would be even worse. Uh, but I like the look of the concept art. Like, I mean, I, uh, I, I like that it'll be like multiple period set pieces and right. like i i think that's kind of cool and much like we were getting in these x-men movies which you we were just talking about which didn't make any sense that they were jumping 10 years every movie and everyone looked the exact same right um and they never really they played with the time periods in the earlier movies but then they kind of lost that when you got into the 80s and 90s i mean the last one didn't need to take place in the 90s who gives a shit right? yeah like, and this loki will be more um malevolent in comparison, I don't want to. I, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen Endgame at this point, but it's like the way that they set this up. It's like, okay, this is the Loki that's. Not, Do you think it will be that Loki I from think Endgame? So. I think. I think it will be. I think it'll be the one that. Right. Jumped. Yeah. 
Interesting. Because that way you have to create an anti-hero that you need to build a redemption arc to that he has to learn on his own to become somewhat of a decent person. Right. Where, like, where you started with Loki in Infinity War, he was already kind of changing. Like, he was, he was still a dick, but at least... He was actually making an effort. Right. Where now you just have the purely evil Loki from Avengers who got caught at the end, right? Yeah. He doesn't have all those learning experiences with Thor from... Exactly. So he's going to have to go on, like, he's going to have to, like, figure things out for himself on each adventure. And I'm sure part of it will be, like, oh, he learns, like, a lesson along the way to maybe be more empathetic towards the, the human race. Right. Fair. I'm I'm looking forward to Disney Plus. I'm curious about it, and um, especially again, like I think they're 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 starting strong with both really emphasizing the Marvel and uh, um, the Star Wars, the Star and... Wars stuff, and even weirdly like that documentary series on Frozen Two, which we'll be getting a trailer for, or the Jeff Goldblum show. <laughs> yeah, God. I wish it was called Chef Goldblum though. But Chef Favreau has that show on I Netflix. I know, but right it's Chef now. Goldblum. Yeah, I, I mean, he was already called Chef Goldblum in the Tim and Eric movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sigourney Weaver um, confirmed that, and I think they, the Sony and and the Ghostbusters team confirmed that um, all of the original Ghost surviving Ghostbusters are returning for Jason Reitman's uh, Ghostbusters sequel. Uh, so you get Sigourney Weaver coming back. But they'll be yeah. playing the characters that they played in the first two. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, you get Bill Murray's coming back. Dan Aykroyd's coming back. Ernie Hudson's coming back. And uh, Sigourney Weaver's coming back. Uh, no Rick Moranis right now. I know he's not a Ghostbuster. Fingers crossed, though. I hope they get Rick Moranis to come out of retirement. Uh, didn't Rick Moranis do something recently? Yeah, the SCTV. Yeah, reunion. so hopefully maybe he would. That would be awesome. But I don't know how you would work him into this and make well, it Well, I not mean, like... him and, him and uh, Annie Potts, right? Yeah, fair. Yep, that would be cool. she'll be back, too, right? She has you to think so. Yeah. I think they'll bring everyone back, right? Yeah. Like Slimer. Um, oh, Slimer's back, baby. Um, Although it's weird because Slimer was more important to the cartoon than he was in the in the movies. I mean, yeah, he's the first ghost that they catch. But um, he ended up becoming like a mascot, and then was like really involved in, like you said, the animated. Series. Well, that's where he became the mascot. Like even in ghostbusters 2 they don't really do a whole lot with him like they just like they have one scene where rick moranis is walking in the fire station and like what's that smell i'm gonna go eat my lunch now and then you see slimer gobbling down his sandwich and rick moranis trips over like a canoe or something (laughs) yeah i love rick moranis he's he is one of the most underrated parts of uh, especially the first Ghostbusters, like just like it's like, oh, I heard your TV was on and the <laughs> the landlord was complaining, and and so I turned up my TV really loud too. <laughs> yeah, God and he's just him. going full on Canadian, like his accent oh, is ridiculously Canadian. Yeah. Uh, does this excite you that they're bringing everyone back, or I, scare I you a know. little bit? Or... I mean, like the thing that I missed in the Ghostbusters answer the call as it was yeah. as it was redubbed and on, weird on blu-ray and 4k yeah um was it just i felt like even though it had some of the tech aspects it didn't really get into like just catching ghosts like it, it kind of just focused on you know like who's who's gonna be this 
type of character in this movie. And so reintroducing, I mean, it depends on the story, but reintroducing the original Ghostbusters with what I assume is going to be the next generation or something to do. Maybe, maybe there'll be sort of some sort of touching homage to uh, Egon and Harold Ramis's because I mean, he's such a big part of it. Right. So you can't not mention him. And then also it's like, you don't want to like say like oh he became a ghost or something like that either. No, right? I don't think you go that route. Like, w- would you think maybe this family that they're going to focus on has anything? Well, that's to do what with I him? was thinking. Like, like yeah, because like, it's Carrie Coon is the mother, right? Yeah, and Finn then, Wolfhard. And yeah, so I don't know if you Mackenzie play around. Grace. Yeah, I don't know if you play around with that. They have anything to do with Egon or anything, right. and that's maybe how it connects to the original Ghostbusters. I just hope that like, Dan Aykroyd has a scene where he's drinking uh, his uh, Crystal Skull vodka. I'm amazed they got Bill Murray to do it. I know he showed well, up in the know, last one, too. You know too, why? Like, it's because it was probably um, Ivan Reitman yeah. that reached out to him specifically. Yeah. like And said, hey, my kid's doing this. Yeah. Can you oh. be in this? And can you play, you know, uh, Venkman again? And he's probably like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I was reading today that, like, the way that Bill Murray gets his script is, like, he has, like, a 1-800 number. And so people will, like, <laughs> such a Bill Murray-ass Leave thing. messages saying, like, this is hey, the I pitch. have this idea for you. Yeah, yeah. and then that, then he'll either call back or he won't. That's amazing. Because he doesn't have an agent or right. management or So anything. he just has, like, a number that gets passed around Hollywood that's, yeah. like, kind of like, Yeah, hey. so I could imagine, like, Jim Jarmusch calling. He's like, hey, Bill, I got a zombie movie. You want to be in it? And he calls back. He's like, sure. <laughs> oh, God, I love Bill Murray, too. Um... Next, uh, Jungle Cruise director. I mean, you guys might know him from some other stuff. but From the Liam Neeson uh, uh, post-Taken Revenge movies that uh, are... Either on a from train, unknown, a plane, or a... <laughs> or agent with amnesia. Yeah. Um, unknown nonstop and run all night. Yeah. Oh, uh, and The Shallows with uh, Blake, uh, Blake Lively. Lively. Uh, is it... I always say Wom Colette Sarah. I think it's Wom or Jom. Jom or Jean? Jom. Jom Colette Sarah is in talks for uh, reteaming with Dwayne Johnson for uh, Black he's Adam. He's his new Liam Neeson. Yeah, seems like it. So he's doing Jungle Cruise for Disney, correct? Yeah, which it was supposed um, to come out this year, um, but they needed to do reshoots and specifically the post-production on the visual effects are taking a lot longer. Yeah, so um, he's kind of a... He's an interesting guy. Like uh, he became this like kind of uh, a darling when it came to like film people and yeah, like, like there's like, like film there's, Twitter and like uh, there's a group of people that will support. I, I like him though. I, I like. I think he's good too. Yeah, and I actually kind of liked. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, the first thing I remember he did that I saw was was the Vincent Price remake of uh, House of Wax. Um, oh right, that was him. Yeah. yeah, that was his first big. I movie. did. I liked House of Wax. It wasn't bad. I mean, I, the, at the time, like the whole gimmick of that With thing Paris was Hilton. that Paris Hilton was in it. But like, as like a very nasty remake of a goofy B movie, it it does what it sets out to, and and it has a very uh, interesting style and look. And it was probably one of the better Dark House productions. Like, I mean, they were releasing crap like. Ghost Ship and Thirteen Ghosts, the remake. Oh, and, Ghost Ship is awful. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 stuff like that. But with this, like, or with House of Wax, like, it was like, oh, okay, like, there's some, like, there's something interesting here with the direction and the tension and like the the wax actually sticking to the skin and being impossible. Yeah. To peel off. Um. So yeah, I'm 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 
curious to see what he'll do with um, Black Adam. Although I'm also I have no interest in this though. Like, I just... yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I'm interested because it's The Rock and him, but I'm yeah. like just based on Shazam. I've yeah. Like, if they decide to go maybe like just completely like a harder not R because obviously they're not gonna go R with it, but like go darker the way that Shazam at times wanted to be. Maybe that'll work for that character because Black Adam from the little I know about him is kind of like the anti-Shazam or Captain Marvel where he's the guy that gets the powers but uses them for bad, right? Like, and, yeah. and sort of destroy... Like, they even hinted at it in Shazam where the last guy to have these powers that I get, gave to somebody was the guy who, like, destroyed villages and and was, you know, the reason why I don't give these powers out anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. I The DC stuff. I mean, I love that Wonder Woman poster that came out. and it, I um, It's a neon. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm all for an 80s neon style and, and a Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. In that and it'll be period. also interesting to see how this one really stands on its own completely. Because I feel like this one isn't going to have any references to... Any other DC thing. DC movies. Yeah. Because at this point, I think DC doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I know. It's... And they're just kind of playing it movie by movie. Yeah, which is fine. We'll see. I mean, they're doing that with Birds of Prey as well, right? And Joker like, too, right? Yeah, which is weird. They're bringing... And even what they're doing with Suicide Squad... Uh, or the, Su- the Suicide <laughs> Squad. Squad. Uh, like, they're bringing back some people. And it's like, it sort of is in this universe now. But now it's not. It's They're all individual movies. So, I don't know. And then Matt Reeves um, is like, Fuck I'm that just doing noise. my own thing. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. See ya. Our last episode, we talked about Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman. I don't well, think it was Now official. he's officially cast. Yes. It right? wasn't official before. But, yeah. I mean, pretty much. Uh, okay. Uh, we mentioned this earlier in the show when we were talking about video game movies. But... Um, it is now official that Tom Holland's Uncharted movie is going to open next Christmas, Christmas 2020, uh, or December 20th, I believe, uh, opening on the same day as Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Uh, going to be directed by 10 Cloverfield Lane's Dan Trackenberg, uh, starring Tom Holland as a young Nathan Drake. Uh, as Eric mentioned earlier in the show, if you guys aren't familiar with Uncharted, just think of it as like modern day Indiana Jones for the most part. It's exactly what it is except he's not a professor professor um but he's basically it's spider-man as an archaeologist or like a yeah trotting yeah he's more of a quippy like it is i think tom holland will do a good job even though i know nathan drake more as like um older, older. like everyone thought nathan fillion should play nathan drake but maybe nathan fillion 10 years ago maybe or or like when the first uncharted game was coming out um it really like he even sounds like nathan fillion at times and there was that short film we watched right you watched it as well right yeah yeah, you showed me it yeah that uh nathan fillion did as nathan drake and he's he still suits like uncharted 4 had an older nathan drake and i think nathan fillion fits that really well and in uncharted 3 there are segments where you play as a young nathan drake so i'm interested um how they do that who's going to play sully and how that just bring robert downey jr in to play sully oh it's gonna say Um, bring in tom hanks uh tom hanks would be a great i mean he did play sully i get the joke but um (laughs) that's as um, much as i know about it um yeah sully is like his mentor right who got him into this treasure hunting like kind of uh thieving kind of um lifestyle um i don't know man like i really do think at best it could be like 
I mean, this is not a high bar to pass, but the best or most fun video game movie because it is very much tomb raider is also very much like uncharted right yeah i, I would um, save your your judgment though until sonic comes out we yeah gotta, we gotta wait that photo you sent me was disturbing <laughs> i'm like that can't be real but i don't know anymore no, <laughs> I, like, I don't think it is um i'm like that if that's the redesign i'm like oh my good lord um so i don't know i'm uh I think Dan Trackenberg's a good choice, too, because he really is a big video game fan. And, and didn't he do, like, a short film for on... Portal. Portal, yeah. Yeah, so. that's how he kind of... Because um, he was doing that. He did, like, a film podcast show for the longest time on YouTube. And now then he's he, an accomplished director. Yeah, and then he directed that Portal short, which really put him on the map. So you can tell that, like, he's big into gaming, and I think he'll... Like, you really... I think the biggest thing with a lot of these video game movies is they try to put the Hollywood spin on it or they try to involve a bunch of people who don't really play these games and, and understand what the fans are looking for in a lot of them too. And I know you need to make them more accessible to like a broader audience or someone like yourself who is more interested in a story rather than playing a game. And that's why I think it's still valuable to be making these video games into movies because I do really think uncharted is fun with amazing set pieces that you just don't really get to experience because you don't play games right or the last of us which i think right. is one of the best I, I i know i constantly talk about the last of us also made by naughty dog who makes uncharted um but a really great like one of my favorite narratives of that year was the last of us like if i had to rank it as like my top film of the year i probably would have done it that year that's how much i enjoyed just the story of those games so and i want more people to experience that stuff if they don't play games so that's why i don't mind them being turned into movies but as long as it merits it from a great story and a lot of video games i mean it's changing like we are getting a lot of games that have great stories but i I, before it was always mostly about gameplay right so video games weren't known to have great storytelling right like mario saves the princess bowser kidnaps her every time right like it's only recently we're getting these great cinematic experiences that i think would translate really well into film like i never thought a mario or a mortal Kombat movie is going to be like a, a cinematic accomplishment in any way right? right like the illumination mario movie they're doing will probably be fun and as long as they don't put any minions in yeah oh, i mean they will but uh they already mario already has their own version of the minions called the rabbits which are like these rabbits that are basically minions but even more annoying right um and they're from the Rayman franchise. Remember Rayman? Yeah, with, with yeah, the his hands, floating with the hands and yeah. shit like that. So it's Do just I? weird crossovers. But I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about the Uncharted. Well, you know what movie. the best video game movie is right now, and you will have no idea what I'm talking about until you see it. Is Under the Silver Lake? Okay, you'll know what I'm. I'm curious now that you say that. Um, let's go into the Django news. So we were talking about Tarantino earlier, some crazy news. Um, I mean, I knew about this comic series, but I don't think many people did. Uh, it looks like Jared Carmichael is going to be working on a Django Zorro movie and Quentin Tarantino could possibly be involved. It doesn't look like he's going to, uh, write or direct, but he might produce it. You know, um, you know what I see is his title as executive producer. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I mean his blessing essentially, yeah. right? Like, hey, I'll, uh, yeah, you can use this character, and he he did co-write the comic book though. So, right. um, and the comic book came out. 
Oh man, like soon after, like maybe a year or two after Django came out, and um, it is an official sequel to Django Unchained, and it involves Zoro and Django going on an adventure. Like Django has to leave um, town because of the events at the end of Django Unchained. Right. So he goes, I think, to the west coast or something like that, where and then meets up with Zoro. So, um, so Antonio Banderas. Hey, you never know, man. Fox. Yeah, like, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm curious, man. It's it's interesting. I mean, getting a sequel to a Tarantino movie is, I mean, the only one we thought we might get was Kill Bill. But well, there was a time though as well where a lot of people thought that the, Vang- uh, the yeah, Vega brothers, the Vega brothers, and I mean Tarantino again. Even with Inglorious Bastards, remember Killer Crow? Like, like there's all like he talks about all these ideas and side projects and. Even without within his films, there's there's his Quentin Tarantino universe, right? Like, I mean, there's tons of references to other characters and storylines and um, subplots that are throughout his entire writing. So even though he maybe not he's not going to make a direct sequel to something, there is you know character lineage and 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 all shared within this universe that mm-hmm. he's kind of created. The, the, the the same way that I think Kevin Smith tried to do that and with around the view the same, Askewverse. yeah, and yeah. it just didn't work as well. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate both of them for doing that kind of stuff, and I like those Easter eggs for people who are huge fans of them. Yeah, like even though they don't mean all that much, but it's kind of fun to hear a character name or or see. Yeah, because like even in Reservoir Dogs, I mean, obviously both Michael Madsen and then John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, but like you hear there's one bit where Harvey Keitel's talking to, to Joe um, about oh, yeah. you working with his last partner who's Alabama and Alabama's in uh, true romance and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I wonder if this will actually happen, but uh, I think there's a possibility that it actually could happen. And, yeah. Um, Whether or not how like it just it will be interesting to see how involved Tarantino is and when it gets made because like if Tarantino does stays true to his word and makes the ten movies and then decides you know I'm done with writing and directing maybe he'll be more hands on with that if that doesn't go into production until a couple years from now or yeah we talk about this a lot I either think that that's I mean he talked love the guy but he talks out of his ass a right. lot of the time. but a lot of filmmakers say that too I mean um, look at Soderbergh right? yeah. Although Soderbergh didn't have this like plan, this this romantic vision of making ten great movies and then retiring, he was just kind of like, "Well, my interest now has gone to television, and I'm kind of done with film." And then after having a bit of a kick with the Nick, um, he came back and seemed to be recharged or just interested. I in think the exact again. same thing could happen with Tarantino, though. Right? Like, I think he'll also go to TV. I think he'll go to then... writing. I think he'll. I think he'll do novels. We even talked about. Yeah, I know. I don't doubt that either. A time being potentially being a novel. Yeah, I could see that as well. But I do think he's the type of guy who likes that romantic vision of the even ten movies. But then he well, the ten gonna... movies that truly like are yeah. like he put everything into them because he always talks about um, not wanting to go past his prime. Yeah, he, Billy Wilder specifically doing a movie like Fedora, where like the guy was making movies like Some Like It Hot and Double Indemnity and you know films of of, of that high you know style like Seventeen, and then you know when when he was reaching the end of his life and the end of his career, he was still making movies, but the movies he were he was making maybe one out of you know, five were okay or decent. Yeah. And I don't think we'll ever get that. Cause I think he just, 
he's already getting older and he takes his time and we get what one every three or four years yeah but i mean he hasn't taken as much time as he did i remember between jackie brown and kill bill like it seemed like it was forever you know like the time he took off between those two And 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 fincher is another guy where like you know after panic room it took him because Panic Room was what 2002, 2003, and then Zodiac was 2007, and then he did Zodiac and uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button back to back, and now he's on another break. Like he hasn't, there hasn't like other than World War Z two, which fell through. Like nothing. Has which everyone, come up. it sounded too good to be true. Right. That he was doing it just that. seemed like such a weird project for him to be attached to. Like I think the only reason why he, like maybe was thinking about it to begin with was because of brad pitt asking him but other than that like i just didn't see like him doing a sequel to a movie that was successful but nobody remembers sounds like avatar (laughs) Uh, and the final piece of news on this jam-packed episode uh a big one um seems like warner brothers for the most part we will explain in a second uh, is going to be skipping Hall H and San Diego Comic-Con this year, uh, which is crazy. And we're seeing more and more of that lately. And it's a big conversation that's happening right now at E3, um, the video game conference I, mes- uh, I mentioned, because um, we're starting to see that there as well, which used to be the big thing where all of the big game developers would go and have these big giant presentations on all their new games coming up. And like, this was the first year that Sony just did not go to E3. They don't have any presence there at all. Uh, you see some other companies like EA did something smaller, like outside of the convention, and like you're starting. They didn't to see... get into the game. <laughs> um, it is in the game. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. And then now at Comic Con, you you see more and more studios just going, "Ah, eh, we don't need to do this anymore," right? And I feel like before when it was this big thing when you couldn't just drop trailers online or you couldn't just like you get more buzz putting a trailer online than you do doing a panel at comic-con right right which they still could probably do that right like they could release a trailer or a teaser for birds of prey around that time and be like hey this is what we're we're doing because i mean they kind of that's what they did a couple years ago remember they were the last surviving big studio to still do i mean like other ones would show up but like warner brothers with their dc stuff were like the outlier of like comic con like comic book movies Right. right but they i mean both dc and i mean quality wise aside the marvel and dc movies for the most part make money and they don't really need to sell it to the fans at this point, anyways, because they know that they'll come. Yeah. Right? But like, sometimes I thought it was, like, rewarding the fans, too. Like, your most hardcore fans, Right. Too, but right? I also feel like maybe in a couple of years from now, DC will try to build to doing their, like, their own D23 kind of thing for the DC yeah. stuff. Or, or even Warner or in just general. Warner in general. I mean, I know that with uh, Show West, like, it's yeah. kind of that as well in CinemaCon, but... What I say, Show West. It's been Show West is the Canadian one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But didn't wasn't wasn't CinemaCon called something else before that? It might have been called that. I have yeah. no idea. But um, but anyway, because it's Show Canada that we just had. Yeah, yeah. Right? Show West was the original version, yeah, and okay. then they changed it to CinemaCon. Um, because to me, it feels like you, you don't like. I can understand a movie like Hellboy having to go to CinemaCon to really sell the shit out of something like that. But the Marvel movies 
don't and they yeah. now are aligned with the d23 thing and which we, we did get news of what panels we're getting at d23 i didn't have it on the news but we there was a, there's a schedule up now and um there's going to be a disney plus panel but then there's also div, a disney live action panel so they're not separating artemis fell um, baby they're not separating marvel lucasfilm and disney live action oh so you're putting them all together in then. one panel so that'll be interesting of like what news we actually get so i think we might only get announcements for like next year's marvel movies which and is not still necess- something because yeah. i mean even though we kind of already know that it, it looks like it's going to be eternals and, and black widow yeah um it, it at least gives you an idea and i'm sure kevin feige will say like okay well these are some other ones were and we know, get the disney plus stuff to hold us over too right yeah like the first one we'll get is Loki, right? Yeah. Which is going to be next year at some point. I'm okay. sure. I mean, it just depends when they start filming. And if it's television, they can do it a lot quicker, right? Yeah, we'll see. Um, but crazy. The Comic-Con is... It's changed a lot. Like, I remember when I went and saw footage from The Amazing Spider-Man and uh, whatever the hell else I saw that year. But Hall H used to be such a gigantic thing, right? Because you were... Seeing... <laughs> Sorry, I just watched Drake get uh, mad yeah. because... Uh... The Raptors are losing right now. They are, yeah. We I put the game on in the background as we're recording because this fucking thing is three hours long. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it because um, I'm dying slowly. No, I'm kidding. We haven't done this for a while, and this is a lot of fun. But, yeah, Hall H, man, used to be this gigantic thing. Just doesn't really need to be a thing anymore. Comic-Con in general is like all these different conventions, are, they really need to rethink how they – kind of go about them maybe i don't know like yeah. or or maybe it's just going to go back to being kind of more of a niche experience for the fans themselves just to enjoy the specific comic books and the memorabilia and the community itself and not so much the films anymore yeah for sure um but uh they have this what's it called again the Scarecon. The... oh yeah uh scare diego scare diego because it's in it's in san diego get it yeah I got so it. they are going to be showing it chapter two and um what other warner they'll probably talk about conjuring stuff as well because they're shooting the conjuring oh and doctor sleep oh yeah and doctor sleep but they already showed a little bit of that at uh cinema con yeah but though that's just press and 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 cinema owners right god i do not know how that is gonna work out i like mike flanagan i'm curious about it but it's like it's no matter what it like even if it's a good movie like you're still still in the shadow of the the shine yeah i know yeah it's difficult yeah (laughs) Um, I just worry that, I mean, this isn't a worry, but I think it'll be more broadly appealing right. in The Shining, right? Um, but I mean, he did a good job with Hill House and people seem to hey, like he it. Made, so. He made a, he made a, a, a somewhat decent sequel to Ouija. Yeah. I mean, come um, on. Which I still need to watch. I like the style of it though, even in the opening moments that I watched and, um, I love that he has the film reel yeah. circle. And a that lot of the same actors like, that are in that are in uh, Hill House. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I thought he did a good job with the other Stephen King adaptation. Uh, Gerald's uh, Game. Gerald's Game was Gerald's awesome. Gerald's Game is great. Like that, yeah. Talk about almost an unadaptable An uh, underrated Stephen movie King that I think kind of went under the radar. And a great performance, too. Like Carla Cugino is amazing in that movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, guys, I think that wraps up this marathon draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, this was great. I was, I'm was i happy to be back in it. And usually when we take a couple weeks off, we always do some major episode that's way too long. But I'm glad we covered things. And we even cut some stuff that we were going to talk about. That, well, we can save that um, for next time if it's, yeah. if it's really that important. 
Yeah, but thank you so much. If you made it this far, uh, you truly are uh, blessed. <laughs> blessed. Now I was gonna say I don't know what I was gonna say, but maybe not blessed. But thank you, thank you <laughs> for listening blessed by us. Yeah, thank you for listening to our dumb fucking conversation for three hours. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, if you like this, like we mentioned, we have another podcast called The Untitled Movie Reviews, where you can check out our review of Dark Phoenix as well as our upcoming reviews of Toy Story Four and Thor Ragnarok Two. Um, which is just Men in Black International. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. I don't know what to think about that movie. You'll, well, just you'll, wait. And you'll give hear our thoughts. And that's it. You'll hear our thoughts in a few days. Will um, it have a Will Smith song? I don't think so. But I bailed out before we wrap up. Um. Uh. I bailed out of Aladdin so quickly that I didn't realize he did the Will Smith like I'm doing a rap about this movie. Yeah. And I almost wish they would have used that as the friend like me version in the movie right like just fucking go out there man give us the will smith version of this song yeah like with dj khaled you could have had dj khaled as some fucking weird sub genie he could have been magic carpet, carpet. <laughs> yeah dj khaled is magic carpet man um i fucking laughed so hard when i went back and listened to that on the soundtrack i'm like why didn't they use this? That would have been fucking hilarious. It would have been really, really cool. Right. Um, although I'm sure we would have been like, oh, no, <laughs> when yeah. it was happening. But, like, I would have been fine with it. At least you're doing something different and you're not just imitating Robin Williams. Right. So. Well, here's hoping that Gemini Man will have uh, <laughs> a sick Will Smith rap <laughs> yeah. in the credits. Here comes the Gemini Man. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Or... <laughs> 120 frames per second all right guys uh thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week um with a whole bunch of other news and i'm gonna have a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch so until next time uh or wait you could oh i forgot the outro if you want to find more of my work you can go uh, around the interwebs at untitledmoviepodcast.com i have a cool godzilla video over at cineplex that you guys can watch uh, that Eric, you helped me out with a little bit. Um, oh, some, oh, some cool stats uh, about some. You different give me twenty bucks. Yeah, I'll give you a, a slice of my my Godzilla, sweet, give sweet me a, Godzilla money. That thick lizard pie. <laughs> yeah, that big old <laughs> chunky boy. I don't know if they use that in one of the. I gotta go watch the video, but like, I was giving like like titles for each version of Godzilla that I was talking right. about, and because the newest Godzilla is the biggest one. I called him a big old chonky boy. And he's always been a big old chonky boy. But he has like, been. Uh, he's the chonkiest boy in this one. So Thick anyway. lizard, baby. And you can uh, follow me around all of the social medias, including Letterboxd. Go follow Eric and I both over at Letterboxd. At Matt Rorabek. Uh You can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias in Letterboxd at EM6211. And Mothra is definitely Bay. All right, let's just leave it at that. Hey, Matt, I'm thinking I'm back. See you next week, guys. And gals. And moths. And uh, chonky boys. Thick lizards, baby! Thick daddy Zilla. (laughs) 